Welcome to the Daily Boogie. Oh, finally. Finally, we made it. Oh, my God. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for joining us. <laughs> if you're a first-time listener to the show, welcome to the Daily Boogie, where we are always prompt, always on time, and never, ever late. Never, ever, ever, ever. We just happen to go live at this random time all the time. Except the next time you listen will be 6pm. And every time after that. Thank you for joining us. Gentlemen, thank you for joining us. Holy shit, look at my chat box. <laughs> it's all happening here. For some reason, the chat thing is just... It's its shitting emojis all over the screen. There's colours washing all over... I don't even care. Thank you for joining us. Welcome to another edition of the Daily Boogie Podcast, ladies and gentlemen. It's true, I'm not dead. I haven't died. I'm so sorry I was late. It is the pre-vacation free-for-all. We're going to have some fun tonight. This is the last show for a week and a day. Thank you so much for spending time with us. Thank you for sharing the show out. And I really appreciate it if you guys could share the show out, if you haven't already, just because I am an hour and a half late. (laughs) I'll tell you what happened. I'll tell you what happened. So, um... It's it's I did I did the I did the big faux pas. I did the big thing that you're not supposed to do. I did the unforgivable broadcast sin, which was I was really tired when I got home from work last night. So I got home uh, about five hours before showtime, right? And I did the move and I looked at my watch and I'm like, hmm, normally I stay up and I'm you know prepare for the show. But I already had some stuff prepared. Plus, I had, um, you know, the free-for-all, so people had uh, sent in links and sent in clips and stuff. So I'm like, okay, most of the prep work is done. I looked at my watch, and I'm like, you know what? I'll just try to get a couple of hours. I'll try to get a couple of hours sleep. That was my downfall. That's where it all went wrong. (laughs) Now, I set an alarm for two hours before showtime. I must have just slept through that alarm, which can happen when I'm really, really tired. I'm, the alarm must have been going off for three hours and I didn't hear it. It happens It happens very rarely, but it does happen because I'm somebody who gets, you know, repeatedly, I'm a really bad sleeper. I don't get much sleep. So I must, I must be already switching off. I've got one night of work left in front of me. I've got one show left in front of me. I must have mentally already switched off and gone into vacation time. But there is there is a failsafe normally. And that failsafe is I have a dog, which is basically a horse. It's a Rhodesian Ridgeback. And if you're not familiar with the breed, it's a very large breed. And our girl, she's she's 10 months old, but she already weighs about 75 to 80 pounds. So she's huge, right? 
And the failsafe is I know that like every day between 7 and 7.30 in the morning, which is about 5 and 5.30 p.m. East Coast time. No, sorry, 4 and 4.30 p.m. East Coast time at the moment. I know that she's going to want to go outside and she's basically my alarm clock because I get a tongue bath when she she wakes me up like I wake up to this every morning <laughs> licking all over the face I'm like oh, okay 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 and I stumble up in my underwear and walk through the house and let her out the back and she's always on time you know between 7 and 7.30am she's like alright I want to go outside now and harass the Harass the daytime, harass the neighbours. <laughs> and I give her a kiss. I'm like, okay, okay, I'm getting up. Okay. And she just slept right through today <laughs> for some reason. <laughs> so I've woken up like an hour late and I've looked at the time. I'm like, shit, my alarm didn't go off. And then I've looked at her and I'm like, and what the fuck were you doing? Where were you? And she's just looking at me like, hmm? Like, you were supposed to be on top of this, man. You're my failsafe. What the fuck was going on? Where were you? Who said you could clock off? I'm like, all right. Come on. So then I kicked her out. And here we are. So I've been awake for about, I don't know, 20 minutes. Barely even fucking started yet. Look at this. <laughs> now, now people generally did the chat. See, I shouldn't have mentioned the emoji thing. Now General Eaton in the chat is just pumping us with emojis, so it just looks like bars of random colour if you're listening to the podcast. Thank you. So much for joining us. A little impromptu today. I try to I try to make sure that I do like good prep and I try to make sure that I'm like I'm on, I'm switched on. Um, because let's be fair, this is a tiny little operation with a tiny little fan base, so but I think we punch above our weight when it comes to audiences. Always get good engagement. People always enjoy it. So small as it is, um, we do our best. I've actually, last night, who's been keeping up with the Charlie Kirk, Nick Fuentes thing? Last night, man, I was just watching video. While I was at work, I was just watching videos of the Charlie Kirk, Nick Fuentes thing, and it was fucking great. I love it. I love it. So... If you're not familiar, Charlie Kirk, obviously the guy who runs Turning Point USA. And Nick Fuentes is a 21-year-old kid on YouTube who is absolutely wrecking him. Now, you can like Charlie Kirk. You can like what he does. That's fine. That's that's all well and good. But I want you to take... I want to disassociate yourself from any emotional connection that you might have to this organization, right? And just observe it as somebody eating popcorn in the stands of a Roman amphitheater watching a gladiator get his limbs hacked off, right? So Charlie Kirk gets, um, he has all the infrastructure, he has all the benefactors, he has all the the big money donors. And Charlie Kirk is the guy who has basically made his name as I'm, I'm the master debater. I own the snowflakes on college campuses. I, I take down the college age socialists at universities. And that's all well and good, but let's be honest here, it's the lowest of low-hanging fruit. And I'm not saying that I'm doing any better. Like, But I don't put myself out there as like the master debater guy. This is more the observational show. This is this is the kind of show where we're basically uh, doing an obituary for Western society and, and politics. 
We're, we're tracking as it dies. You know what I mean? So if you're going to put yourself out there as the master of debate and I'll take on anybody, anywhere, anytime, then yes, okay, university-age Marxist is one thing, but now he's coming up against Nick Fuentes, who is this guy who is more like a... He's a he's your traditional... He's more of a hard-right Christian conservative. And so the Nick Fuentes fans are getting up at the Q&A and asking Charlie Kirk these questions, and Charlie Kirk is responding, I'm sorry to say, like an SJW. So one of the Nick Fuentes fans will get up there and say, oh, Charlie... You're, you say that you're um, a Zionist and you're in favour of giving money to Israel. Um, if you really are America first, would you support the president if he made a policy that benefited America but uh, didn't benefit Israel? And then he'll respond by saying something like, I don't understand why everybody hates Israel. There's a lot of Jew hate in this room. It's like, whoa, whoa, Charlie. It's a pretty straightforward, polite question. Why, you, why do you have to answer like this? And uh, Charlie Kirk is the guy who says conservatism needs to change and it needs to start accepting, you know, the homosexual agenda and all of that stuff. Again, you can believe that. But then if you believe that and say that you're a traditional Christian conservative, then you're probably going to have problems with people who say that they're tri- uh, traditional Christian conservatives because traditional Christian conservatives are now getting up there and asking um, Charlie Kirk, you say that you're a big supporter of the homosexual agenda and you think the conservative movement needs to become more homosexual friendly. Um, I'm just wondering, how does anal sex help us win the culture war? Next thing you know, oh my God, you you hate gays? <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> Aren't you doing the exact kind of thing that you accuse the other people of doing now? Like, it's a pretty straightforward question. It's pretty straightforward. And they do have a point. I don't necessarily agree with uh, the hardline Christian conservative argument. I'm more of a libertarian guy myself. So uh, the kind of social issues that they get really upset about, I'm always like, meh, whatever. I don't give a fuck. But but that's the thing. If you're going to claim, if you're going to claim to be the hardline Christian conservative, then don't be surprised when. Uh, people who don't want to uh, accept, you know, the homosexual political agenda, don't be surprised when they start asking you questions. And Turning Point USA isn't dealing with it at all. They're saying, oh, a bunch of hateful right-wing trolls are sabotaging our events. And it's like, but they're very polite guys wearing a suit asking you very straightforward and polite questions. That's That doesn't sound like trolls sabotaging to me. There are no megaphones. There are no people storming events and trying to get it shut down. They're not screaming over the top of you. So come on, Mr. Big Debater guy. You're going to have to handle this. And so far, he isn't handling it. So, And I, I again, just as a, a completely um, objective and unemotionally attached observer, to see the guy who's got all the infrastructure, all the money, uh, Turning Point USA, a huge organization, is, you know, they're basically getting their, they're metaphorically getting their limbs hacked off by a kid who runs a YouTube channel. And good on him. Good luck to him. Regardless of whose message you appreciate, uh, the master debater guy is getting owned right now. And it's fun. It's fun to watch. It's fun to see. (laughs) You know? Like I said, I'm just the peasant in the Roman amphitheater. One of these gladiators is going to have to walk home and the other one's going to be getting the, you know, the big, 
So he's going to have to find a way. He's going to have to find a way to handle that shit. Like it or lump it. Now, you might be saying, oh, Charlie Kirk's a great man. He's done great things. I'm like, yeah, great. But right now, he's getting his he's getting his shit pushed in by, by a, like I said, a kid who runs a YouTube channel with no infrastructure, no big money donors whatsoever, just the super chats. And the fans of Nick Fuentes are making him look silly, whether you like it or not. Whether you like it or not. So... Um, I won't be showing any videos of it. Like I could, we could go into it, but there's plenty of other people who are doing it and I try to not do what everybody else is doing, but I think it's going to be one of those things in the, you know, in the content creator space that's going to take off and it's already taken off, but it's going to, you know, you had PJ Dubs throw his hat in the ring earlier today and say, you know, Char Charlie Kirk's a nice man, I guess, but I've never had a problem with Charlie Kirk, but. Uh, he's going to have to find a way to get around this before he, you know, you can't just go around calling other people on the right racists and anti-Semitics because they ask questions that you don't like. And I'm, I thought, well, that's pretty fucking obvious if you ask me. But thank you for joining us. I'm sorry I'm late. Thank you so much. I appreciate your concern. Since I haven't really woken up yet, you know, I'm not really in the zone yet. I thought I'd start with something mindless just to get the ball rolling. Mm. By the way, if you'd like to become a supporter of the show, uh, please head over to patreon.com forward slash boogie bumper. Become a subscriber by hitting the subscribe button on your preferred podcast player. And of course, if you would like to shout me down as an anti-Semite, then you can do so by following me on Twitter at boogie bumper. Sober in the chat says, not to be confused with a masturbator. Uh, that's me, by the way. I'm the masturbator. In case you're wondering. <laughs> I don't know. I don't even know why I said that. <laughs> Pinochet in the chat, my, my moderator on YouTube, it's been one of the greatest things to happen to the right since the Trump-Pence 2016. I have to agree. There's nothing There's nothing wrong with a little bit of internal uh, cleansing from time to time. And if here's the thing. If you're a fan of Charlie Kirk and Turning Point USA and you don't appreciate that this 21-year-old kid on YouTube is making Charlie Kirk and Turning Point USA look rather silly, then I've got good news for you. It's good to sharpen, you know, what's the saying about sharpening the sword up against steel, right? If this makes Turning Point USA sharpen up their game, if this makes them better, then all the more for it. If this makes Turning Point USA collapse into a heap, then it's also a good thing because they weren't prepared. They weren't strong enough to be the conservative leaders of thought at colleges in the first place then. If a 21-year-old kid and their fans can bring them down by politely asking questions at a Q&A, then they don't deserve to be there. They don't deserve to be at the top. Fair? Because it's a whole different um, kettle of fish if you're trying to... Like I said, taking down the university-age Marxists is fucking low-hanging fruit, man. It is literally the easiest thing to do in conservative content creation. You can dedicate show after show after show after show. It's pretty easy to make a communist look silly when they're 20 years old on a college campus. It's not hard at all. So, it's, it's like the Bane thing. It's like Bane when he's fighting Batman. So Batman rose to the top without ever coming up against a guy as fearsome as Bane and they're fighting in that underground sewer and Bane, you know, Bane's like, oh, victory has defeated you. So potentially Charlie Kirk and uh, Turning Point USA have gotten fat and lazy doing victory dances 
on the political graves of university-age Marxists, and now a younger and fitter challenger has risen to the top, has risen to the top, has come to the fore to take Charlie's mantle away. So he needs to start doing the Rocky shit. He needs to start running up those stairs, man. He needs to start punching beef carcasses. He's got to get in shape because right now, right now the 21-year-old kid is going pop, 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 just popping him in the nose. Charlie's going, stop being racist. (laughs) It's fucking hilarious. So if it makes him better, then good. Because coming up against people who know what they're doing will always make you better at what you do, I think. But I did want to have a look at this. Like I said, I want to start off with something mindless. Uh, Michael Rappaport. The only thing I know Michael Rappaport from was he was Eddie Murphy's sidekick in a movie called Metro, which I think came out in like the late 90s. Do you remember Metro? Eddie Murphy was a cop. I know, it was a big stretch for Eddie. He took his most successful character and then tried to, you know, uh, push it and shove it into a new character arc. It wasn't a great, it wasn't a great um, movie, but it was good enough. It had its moments. And I remember this guy as his sidekick as the rookie detective learning from Eddie Murphy. And he, he put this video out the other day. It's got half a million views. I'm definitely in the wrong game. Um, I need to be, I think the key to success here in this Twitter world is to become a D-list celebrity 25 years ago and then just scream into a phone while whilst you're on the street. I know it says no soliciting there just behind him, which I thought was ironic. Not that old. When was it then? Was it like the 2000s? He always plays a Boston street guy. Yeah, he's he's been typecast. <laughs> Michael Rappaport. Uh, so he had some wise words. He had some words of advice for the president. Let's have a look. Good. Good fucking job, DC. Good fucking job. You booed that fat fucking, that fat slob was up there going, smiling like, oh, this isn't happening. Yeah, it's fucking happening. And it's going to continue to happen. You fat fuck and your fucking worthless wife. The first lady, she does nothing for the country. Let me tell you something, okay? You're the first president who's never thrown out a first pitch. Whoa. <laughs> Am I the only one that has like, that sees this? I just, because I don't see any um, cachet around Michael Rappaport. I don't think of him as anybody fucking special. He's just a, he looks like a, he's a nearing, he's an over middle-aged man who is screaming angrily into a phone on the street. If I was walking past, I would just think he's a guy who can't figure out how to send a text message. You know what I mean? Listen, you fat fuck. You fucking fat fuck. (laughs) It's not intimidating at all. It's fucking comical. If this fucking, if this clown was doing this in your face, you wouldn't know whether to punch him in the nose or just piss yourself laughing. Yeah, it's going to keep happening, huh? You fat fuck. Like, who the fuck is this ginger fag? (laughs) Fuck off, mate. (laughs) His eyes are really close together. Like a Neanderthal. Listen, it's going to keep happening. There's a tradition here in this country, in Australia. It's a a tradition to boo the Prime Minister. I I don't know if that normally happens in the United States. I take it that it doesn't. I think most people in the United States don't boo. Here in Australia, you've got to get on board. with. You've got to get on our level. 
Here in Australia, it doesn't matter who the Prime Minister is, they always get booed at public events. <laughs> it doesn't even matter if they're really popular. Everyone's like, boo, fuck you, mate. That's the way it should be. But then again, you know, when you come from a nation of criminals, it's I guess that's part of our DNA. It's like, oh, no, fuck all the politicians. I like him, but I'm still booing him at the cricket. Who cares? So you got this angry guy screaming into his phone like a, like a crazy homeless person with an iPhone on the street. I don't know what city he's in. Probably Boston. While in office. What's the matter, Tubby? Huh? What's, the, what's the matter, Tubby? <laughs> Why do these movie tough guys think that they're real tough guys? I bet you he's I bet you he's one of these prima donna Nancy boys who when he's on the set of a TV show that nobody watches, he's probably one of these guys that requests of the staff on the set to have the water chilled to a certain temperature. What the hell do you call this, huh? I said 25 degrees for my water, not 28, you motherfucker. I wanted my cupcakes with five blueberries in each cupcake. Five, not four, not six, but five. Don't you understand? Don't you know how to count, you tubby piece of shit? He's probably one of those guys. And the assistants on the set of the movie or the TV show are like, oh, God, Rappaport's in today. Mm. That angry Boston guy. Fuck him. He reminds me of the guys in school. He reminds me of like the the footy, uh, the football meathead jocks at school, but not the ones who got all the chicks, like the guys on the B team. See, when I was in high school, if we can go back to like high school politics, I wasn't part of the football jock group. I was part of the group of guys who used to play in bands and make everybody laugh and Everybody came to us if they wanted to get high on the weekend, go to parties and shit. So we didn't have enemies with anybody. We got on with every group. The nerds loved us because we could talk about sci-fi. The football jocks loved us because we could make them laugh. And the girls loved us because we would play guitars, right? So we covered all bases. We didn't have any enemies. But this is the kind of guy who you would have seen at high school, when the football guys were walking around, he was kind of on the periphery of that group. He wasn't tough enough to be in the first group. He wouldn't get invited to the parties of the first group, but he would get asked for a lift. He would get the football jocks asking him, hey man, can you take us to this party? Can you drive us? You got your license, right? Can you, can, can you get your dad's car? Oh yeah, man, no worries. Whatever you want. Whatever you want, Jimmy. Like, I'll be there. You just call me up, Jimmy, and he like, do you want to go at, like, 1 a.m.? when it, Whatever, man. Like, I'll get grounded, but I don't care. I'll steal my dad's car. You could, you guys, I'll take all of you. Like, I'll do, like, multiple trips, Jimmy. I don't care. I don't give a fuck, man. I, I'll do whatever you want, bro. And they're like, yeah, thanks, Mike. Thanks, Mike. <laughs> and they got him to drop him off, and then as they were getting out, he would get out of the car to go into the party himself, and they're like, whoa, whoa, Mike, it's invitation only, bro. It's invitation only. Like, if you hang around for a couple of hours and take us home, like, we'll smuggle out some some drinks for you if you want. Oh, yeah, Mike. So, sure, Jimmy, that would be so cool, brother. Thank you so much, man. I appreciate you. Hey, I'll be waiting out here anytime you want to go. Just let me know, man, okay? I'll be here. I'll be here waiting for you. Okay. 
Okay, thanks, Mike. Take it easy. Just park around the corner. I don't want anybody to see you. I don't want anybody to know that we came with you. Yeah, no worries, Jimmy, man. Whatever you say, bro. Whatever you say, Jimmy. And then he's the guy on Monday morning when they're back in class going, yeah, I hit up that party on the weekend. It was okay. Yeah, I went down there with Jimmy and the boys. You know, they invited me down there and it's like, you know. But then he has to get a talking to from Jimmy. Jimmy has to go up to him later in the night, uh, later in the day, in the school day and say, yo, man, why are you tripping? Why are you telling people that we invited you to that party? You know, we can't be doing that. Oh, no, no, Jimmy, I'm sure it's just a misunderstanding, man. Hey, is it going again this weekend? I can get my dad's car. I can get my daddy's car again. My mama's car. You know, she's not even going to be home, man. If you want to come over to my place, you know, we can uh, have have some Pepsi. We can watch some TV. Do you want to hang out, Jimmy? Can I come? It's one of these fucking losers. <laughs> And now he's got now now he's got his new gimmick. Now he's got his like after he does one of these Donald Trump hate ramps, he calls up his old high school friends. He still follows his old high school friends on Facebook. He shares it to them directly. Yo, did you see how I own the president, Jimmy? Did you see that? Did you see how you like that? And Jimmy, like the former football captain, is now a fat fucking loser, morbidly obese. Um, you know, he's had two wives, he's had one drug overdose, he's unemployed, and he still talks down to Michael Rappaport. He's like, yes, yeah, Mike, that's cool. That's that's really cool, man. Good for you. Good for you, bro. So for all of the plaudits and all of the pats on the backs that Michael Rappaport gets on the internet from random other random losers, the one the only guy who he craves appeal like approval from, Jimmy, the old football guy, who he used to drive to the parties on the weekend, Jimmy still doesn't care. Jimmy's still not one over. Jimmy still sees Michael as a loser. And you're still a loser, and you'll always be a loser. Huh? What's the matter, you fat fuck? You're such a tough guy. You're such a tough guy. <laughs> such a tough guy. And like the faggiest voice on the internet. <laughs> huh? You're afraid of uh, throwing the ball low and outside? You, you, throw, you can't even throw a pitch, huh? You can't even throw a pitch? What fucking use are you as the president if you can't even throw a fucking baseball? Right, right Jimmy? Yeah, yeah, that's right, Mikey. Good job, Mikey. Yeah. Yeah, I used to go to all the baseball parties when I was a kid. I know how to throw a fucking baseball, all right? You're already taking the country low and outside. Congr- oh! <laughs> sick burn, bro. Sick burn. Michael Rappaport with the sick burn. What, you can't throw the ball low and outside? You're taking the country low and outside. Am I right, huh? Huh? You fucking loser. <laughs> it's cringe. It's so cringe, I feel like my cheekbones are going to explode over here. Tough guy. Huh? Okay. You're afraid of uh, throwing the ball low and outside? You're already taking the country low and outside. Congratulations to the good people of Washington, D.C. Yeah. Boo that fat <sighs> animal. Wherever he goes, wherever he shows up, boo that fat fuck. And if Dick Stain, Donald Trump Jr. is... F- Dick Dick Stain. <laughs> Dick Stain, Donald Trout Jr. <laughs> that is that is literally the same thing that he was getting called when he was 15 years old when he wasn't getting invited to the high school football parties, right? The same thing. He hasn't evolved. 
He's in in evolutionary terms, he is still at the same mental age that he was when he was fumbling around in his own pants trying to figure out why his pee-pee got hard when the cheerleaders were throwing their pom-poms in the air. He still doesn't know what is going on here. When he looked under his arms the first time and had like little sproutings of underarm hair at probably at the age of 17, ginger ones. Am I am I am I changing? What is happening to me? Yo, dick stain. Yo, you you dick stain. Fuck you. Huh? You see how I took him down, Jimmy? You see how I took that guy down, huh? With the with the fucking sick burn? Yeah, good job, Mikey. Good job, Mikey. Mikey, you're a tough guy, huh? You're a tough guy. Fucking clown-ass frat boy son shows up. Clown-ass clown frat boy also. son. Ivanka and fucking junkyard Jared also. Good. Who Ivanka? Good. Good fucking job, DC. Good fucking job. Good fucking job. Well. Good job, Michael Rappaport. <laughs> You're just a fucker. You just look like a shithead. You, you just look and sound... Like a, a like a low IQ knuckle dragging rock ape shithead. <laughs> You're not cool enough for the cool kids, and even the nerds put, make fun of you. No, you fucking dickstein, fucking good job. Screaming like a homeless crazy person on the streets of Boston. Well done. His career is going from strength to strength. He's doing fantastically well. Michael Rappaport, the Michael Rappaport Report, ladies and gentlemen. Well done, Mickey. Well done, Mick. Um, let's see here. I have this video. I don't even know why it's in the rundown. I can't remember why I chose it. So I don't know if it's going to be any any good or not. It does have my girl, Kellyanne Conway, in it, though. And by the way, Kelly, the office still open. George is not for you. So if you want to give me a jangle, I'm here, Kelly. Do you want to go to that party on the weekend, Kelly? I don't care. 1 a.m., do you want me to drive you? I can get mum's car. She won't even know that I took it, Kelly, I swear. Kelly, whenever you want to go to that party, just let me know. I'll take you there. I'll pick you up. That's fine. I don't care. Can I come? <laughs> Can I come to the party, Kelly? And Kelly Ann Conway, my girl. Um, SE Cup, yeah. Oh, SE Cup. No, you've got to appre- you got to learn to love SE Cup. You've got to learn to appreciate the the talent of SE Cup. Cuppy Wop. <laughs> She's so based. <laughs> I don't know. She's shitty at Kellyanne Conway for some reason. Let's have a look. Hell hath no fury like Kellyanne Conway scorned. Whoa. Whoa. (laughs) The president's counselor went on a rampage on a phone call with Washington Examiner reporter Caitlin Yilek this week, who dared mention in a piece. I want to know what counts as a rampage these days. He said Conway's husband, George, is a frequent Trump critic. Not in secret. <laughs> in the wild phone call. <laughs> Conway threatens Yelek, mocks her credentials, and tries to intimidate her. Take a listen to some of what Conway said. You really go places. Let me tell you something from a powerful woman. Don't pull the crap where you're trying to undercut another a, a woman based on who she's married to. Don't pull the crap where you're trying to undercut another a woman based on who she's married to. Kellyanne Conway sounds to me like Kelly is ready to dump George. Georgie Porgy. Why is she still married to him? I don't know. That's up to Kelly. But it sounds like she's positioning to dump. Because, see, 
<laughs> Maybe this is we've got high hopes. <laughs> Maybe, maybe Kelly, it looks like she's positioning herself to dump. So if you um, said to one of your girlfriends, ladies, like, man, what the fuck is going up with George, that guy? Why the fuck is he talking like that? And instead of saying, hey, don't say that shit about George. I love my husband. I'm, de- I'm dedicated to my husband. Instead of saying that, she comes out and says, don't criticize me for what my husband says. You'd be like, oh, oh. Maybe Kellyanne's interested. <laughs> Maybe Kellyanne's going to be on the market soon. Like I said, Kelly, call me. Call me. Have you ever been with a shadow? <laughs> and toward the end of the seven-minute call, she offered this. If it has nothing to do with my job, which it doesn't, that's, that's obvious, then we're either going to expect you to cover everybody's personal life or we're going to start covering them over here. Ah, uh, Black Banner in the chat. See, I was right. Late 90s, 1997, Metro. I wonder if we can bring up a bit of Michael Rappaport's work in Metro. I wonder if it'll allow us to do that. Since we're going back to Michael Rappaport. Okay. Here he is, the great Michael Rappaport in the only movie I know he's been in. I'm Officer McCall, what's going on? What the I'm fuck off- do you mean, what's going I'm Officer McCall, what's going on? Look how young he was. He had the whole world in front of him, didn't he, ladies and gentlemen? And he's basically playing the exact same character now when he screams into his iPhone on the street. He's come a long way. You've come a long way, baby. So t- He's so fast. The thing I love about Michael Rappaport is he's so fucking talented. <laughs> he is just so freaking talented. I'm in awe. I'm Officer McCall. What's going on? What the fuck do you mean what's going on? I'll tell you what's going on. I'm about to fucking waste everybody in here. <laughs> Eddie Murphy's still the best. He's still one of the best. I don't even care when his movies bomb. He still makes me laugh. Pal! Okay, I'm a hostage negotiator. I'm here to help you. How the hell are you going to help me, pig? Screw you, man. Fuck you. I like this. I like this. <laughs> that's exactly that, That's exactly what I want to say to Michael Rappaport. Screw you, man. Fuck you. <laughs> this is fantastic. Okay, I'm a hostage negotiator. I'm here to help you. How the hell are you going to help me, pig? Screw you, yeah. man. Fuck you, Fuck you, you Michael. Dude. Fuck you, well, dude. I want you to tell me what you need. What do I need? I'll tell you what I fucking need, man. I need you to fucking find that dirtbag that fucking ran off with my wife, dude, so I could cut his fucking balls off, man. Okay, I, I can't do that. You can't fucking do it? Why am I wasting my fucking time with you, man? You piece of fucking frog shit, piece of shit, asshole. <laughs> you piece of shit, asshole. It's uncanny. The more things change, the more they stay the same. Hey, hey, is all the name calling necessary? I don't like... I don't like the name calling, you fat fucker. Wherever Eddie Murphy goes, I want you to boo this motherfucker. Boo this motherfucking ass. All of this name calling. Fuck you. Fuck you. 
All right, you fucking big, fat, fucking tough guy. Wherever this motherfucker goes and his useless wife, I want you to boo his ass. He called me names for no reason. Fuck you, Eddie Murphy. Good on, good for the people of D.C. booing your ass. It's going to happen everywhere you go. Fuck you. Hey, is all the name calling necessary? That's not fair. <laughs> fucking do it. Why am I wasting my fucking time with you, man? You piece of fucking frog shit, piece of shit asshole! Hey, hey, is all the name calling necessary? I don't like the verbal abuse. Well, no, not really, but I like to throw all that in there, you know, to kind of give it the natural ambiance, you know. <laughs> I'm Officer McCall. I'm unarmed. Just want to make sure everybody gets out of here safely. Okay, stop right there. Close your eyes. Okay. Tell me what you see. I see a scumbag behind the counter with a sawed-off, 9mm tucked away in his waistband. There's a female hostage down in front of the cereal rack with a red polka dot dress. Another hostage three feet to her right with blue jeans and a checkered shirt. A male hostage down, green shirt, white pants in front of the candy rack. There's a female scumbag behind me with a gun tucked away in her shirt, trying to pass herself off as a hostage. And there's a special on toilet paper four for $1.29. It's a lot of toilet paper. Am I right? That's pretty good. You got good eyes. You got good eyes. You play a pretty observant guy in the movies 25 years ago, Michael. Well done. Let's get back to our girl, because I think I've got a way in here with Kellyanne. I think I think Kellyanne and George are getting a little rocky. So it's all about positioning. Um, if you could tweet at Kellyanne Conway, don't worry about my wife. She'll understand. She'll be like, really? You got with Kellyanne? Okay. Makes sense. Give me a call when that's over. So if you want to start tweeting at Kellyanne Conway, by the way, Boogie Bumper, you need to check out Boogie Bumper. Let her know. I'm here. I'm here. The time difference means I can be your girlfriend at 2am to talk this shit through. If you need somebody to talk to about George, you know, it could be 2am over there. It's going to be like the middle of the day for me. It's going to be no problem whatsoever. It'll be fine. I'm ready. To, I'm ready to go anytime you are, Kelly. Just so you know. Now, Conway has insisted she wasn't threatening the reporter, despite what you just heard. What? Quoting her here. No, that's not a threat. That makes total sense. If it has nothing to do with my job, which it doesn't, that's obvious, then we're either going to expect you to cover everybody's personal life or we're going to start covering them over here. Oh, no, she's threatening people. No, no, no. This is the reality that you assholes don't understand in the corporate press. People are sick to death of you. <laughs> people hate you now. Right? And people are no longer afraid of you. People don't think that you have a right now to just go around and trample on people's personal lives and destroy people's personal lives without any kind of repercussions. You are not the exalted scribes of yesteryear. We know that you are partisan hacks. We know that you are really shitty at your job. So if you want to dive deep into people's personal lives and stuff, fine, all power to you. But the age of the internet has brought with it an equalization of talent. Because in previous times, there was a gatekeeping scenario. You were able to lock the doors and shut the floodgates on anybody else who had a talent for this kind of thing. And there was no avenue for them. There was no way forward for them. But those, but the times, they are changing. 
And now a whole bunch of people can just run their own website and do their own thing. They can, just with a Twitter account, they can do this. And they can dive deep into your past and your personal relationships. They can extract wisdom from the things that you don't want anybody to know about. And instead of you having the power to hold the axe over the head of everybody you don't like, they're now holding an axe right above yours and saying, well, if you're going to take this route, if you're going to go this path, if you're going to go this path of personal, psychological and social destruction of people for your own political game, then we're going to do the same shit to you. Because fuck you, that's why. And now they have the audacity to turn around. Oh, my God, she's threatening people. They're threatening people, guys. They, they're threatening the media. Oh, oh. Doing the fainting woman routine. Oh, my goodness. Oh, it's awful. <laughs> Not a single fuck is given. No sympathy. You created this atmosphere. You created this atmosphere of uh, not respecting people's personal boundaries. You created this atmosphere of personal, social, and professional destruction of those you don't like. This is entirely a beast of your making. And now you've got the audacity to turn around and say, well, I mean, we should be allowed to destroy people whenever we see fit for whatever reason we want, but you can't do it. You're not a journalist. I will remind you of the the great words spoken by James O'Keefe, who himself was a protege of Andrew Breitbart, the late, great Andrew Breitbart. James O'Keefe said, the problem with modern journalism, this is so true. This is, this is one of the most succinct little quotes that you've ever heard. James O'Keefe said, the problem with modern journalists is they see journalism as an identity and not an activity. Journalism is an activity. So if you walk down the street, you see something, you record it on your phone, you, you go home, you upload the video and you write a blog about it, you are doing journalism. But modern journalists, especially in the corporate media, don't see it that way. They think it's an identity. You have to be ordained to do it. You have to be approved. You have to be let into the club. So they see it as an I'm a journalist. They don't see it as people doing journalism. General Eaton in the chat. How dare they even suggest doing the same thing we're doing? Exactly. <laughs> exactly. This reporter had better delete their social media and hire a PR coach. Well, SE Cup's fine. She's in the protected class. She's up the front of the bus, at the front of the train. By the way, Kellyanne, call me. We're going to start covering them over here. Now, Conway has insisted she wasn't threatening the reporter, despite what you just heard. Quote I don't know what it is about Kellyanne either, by the way. She, there's just something about her. She does it for me. I know she's a little older, but that's fine. I don't care. Because people like to attack Kellyanne and say, oh, she's ugly and stuff. I'm like, really? I don't think she's ugly at all. I reckon when she was back in her 30s, she had a great time. You know what I mean? In her early to mid-30s, she would have been, mm-hmm, yep. There's just something about her that gets me. Going to start covering them over here. Now, Conway I think has- it's the attitude when she goes on these shows, when she goes on CNN and she goes on MSNBC, she'll absolutely slam the person who's asking questions. She'll completely cut them down and then just do the little move like the smile and then just flick her hair. <laughs> because, you know, that's why all of you people are overpaid hacks and you shouldn't have a job in the media in the first place. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> like, I love that. 
I love that shit. Insisted she wasn't threatening the reporter despite what you just heard. Quoting her here, if I threaten somebody, you'll know it. I gotta be honest. This was unsurprising from Conway. Falsely crying sexism is actually her go-to move. Listen to this. She's accused CNN's own Anderson Cooper, Dana Bash, and Chris Cuomo separately of being sexist in their interviews with her. No, no, no. S.E. Cup. No, no, no. (laughs) Falsely claiming sexism is what Kellyanne Conway does. Falsely claiming sexism is what Kellyanne Conway does because you people do it all the time. Do you see what's happening here? Do you understand the dynamic of this? Kellyanne Conway doesn't care if people are being sexist in the definition of in the in the mode of what you define as sexism. Kellyanne Conway doesn't think that's sexism. But here's the thing: if you're going to be the people that go around claiming innocent things are sexist, then Kellyanne is going to say, well, if that's sexist, then you're being sexist to me. You can't then turn around and say, Kellyanne's claiming that people are being sexist towards her. She does it all the time. She's such a snowflake. She's doing it to make you look stupid. And now you're taking the bait. Now now you're all in. You're jumping in on this meme. There's there's, there's no self-awareness whatsoever here. I'm sorry to be the bearer of bad news, Essie Cup. You know I love you, babe. But this, this is this is the way it is. She's not claiming that people are being sexist because she really believes it. She's claiming people are being sexist because your what you claim as sexism of other people is the exact same thing that you do. You do. Cory Booker, she said, was sexist because he dared run for president against women. Maisie Hirono was sexist for attacking Brett Kavanaugh. Tim Kaine was sexist for inter... Yeah, yeah, yeah. You accuse black people of being white supremacists if they talk to Donald Trump. Do you see the fucking irony here? Corrupting. <laughs> it's her absolute favorite thing to do. Accusing people of sexism. Yep. Considering who her boss is, it's pretty hard to take her seriously. See... <laughs> just done it again you've just done it again <laughs> and they think that's a win they think that oh, we we've got her now <laughs> it's they're so out of touch they're so detached they have no fucking idea how comical this shit is considering who her boss is well that's so ironic <laughs> <laughs> oh se cup se cup uh, I don't know why I had this in the in the rundown. Again, I kind of came to the party late today. Apologies for being late. Thank you for staying with us. This is the Daily Boogie. This is the last episode before vacay, ladies and gentlemen. <clears throat> this time tomorrow, um, what am I doing tomorrow? Uh, tomorrow I'll be on. I'll I'll be I'll be at home for a couple of days before we head off. And tomorrow is all about putting the feet up. I'm going to get um, an esky which for my American brothers and sisters is, what do you call it? An ice box? An ice box full of beer. I'm going to spit roast and I'm going to pat my dog for about six hours. And I'm going to sit in the sun and just chug. I'm going to start gutting them at like 10 a.m. Because <laughs> that's what I do on holidays. I need to commit suicide slowly with alcohol and pat the dog. I'm going to get a nice big fat bone for the dog so she can chew it. I'm going to get a sprinkler for the dog so I can... She loves chasing water, so it's going to hit her in the face. 
She's going to try and chew the sprinkler. It's going to be fun. Um, but I'll still be around for a couple of days, but I just won't be online. I won't be streaming. So uh, Denver Knight, if Denver Knight, if you're still in the chat, Karen, you need to follow me back on Twitter, Bay. <laughs> Karen on Twitter, I've like her new Twitter account. I've followed it and unfollowed it. I've done the stalker move. I'm like, Karen, what's up, babe? What's up, girl? Why aren't we friends? Why aren't we following each other here? And I've followed and unfollowed. And I wait a couple of days and then I follow and then I unfollow. Like, I don't think I don't think Karen wants to be my friend anymore. I don't think Karen's following me here. I don't understand. Because Karen, you need to know, like, right after Kellyanne, like I'm knocking on your door. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. I don't want to put you in second place, but you know, I mean it's Kellyanne Conway. <laughs> I didn't mean that. I didn't mean that. You need to follow me back. <laughs> and you need to follow Kimmy back as well. Look at all the people you're not following in the chat. Diamond Poops, he's like, Karen, follow me. Why Sense is like, follow me, Karen. Follow me. I'm the one who said it first. You need to follow me back first, Karen. All right. I don't even know why I have this clip. James Comey jokes he will move to New Zealand if Trump is re-elected. Haven't we done this already? Haven't we done the people that say they're going to leave the United States if Donald Trump becomes president? Let's have a look. I'm optimistic that even if there isn't an impeachment proceeding and a removal from office, whether or not that happens. Like, don't don't think you can come down here and get away with it, James. You are a six foot ten awkward individual. Walking around New, New Zealand's like a four hour flight from me, but you, I'll be able to spot you from the coast. Like, you're not going to be inconspicuous anywhere you go. The American people are going to pass judgment on what kind of country we want to be. We have strong disagreement on policy grounds, and I hope there's diversity in policy here. I don't care what your views are. I hope you articulate them and defend them and listen and debate them. That's important. Good. But we have something in common. <clears throat> I, I like you to articulate your views. I hope you defend them and articulate your political views. Oh, good. Good. Good fucking job, DC. <laughs> good fucking job job you yeah. booed that fat like this fucking, guy, right? that fat slob was up there going smiling like oh this isn't happening yeah it's fucking happening and it's gonna continue to happen you fat fuck and your fucking worthless wife the first lady she does nothing for the country let me tell you something okay you're the first president articulating your never views. thrown out a first pitch while in office mm, what's the matter that's tubby? important Huh? What's the matter, you fat fuck? You're such a tough guy. Yeah. Huh? You're uh, afraid of uh, uh, throwing the ball low and uh, outside. You're already taking the country yeah. low and outside. Yeah. Congratulations yeah. to the good people of Washington, yeah. D.C. Boo that f <laughs> So dumb. And I said it when I sat here with the first question you asked. We have a set of values that are at the core of this country that hold this place together. I try to explain to kids something that most of you know. We shouldn't exist. Don't come near my kids. We don't have the normal human glue that holds Daddy, this country. Daddy, why is this giant trying to talk to me about politics? I don't know. Don't talk to him. If he offers you a sweetie, run. Country together. We don't have common ancestry, common language, common faith. We have nothing in common except a set of values. That's bullshit, James. How do I know this, but James Comey doesn't know this? Whether you like it or not, the history is is well-written and well-versed and well-known. There was a common language in the United States of America. Up until, like, the 1960s, they took immigrants exclusively from Europe, people who could speak English, right? 
English might have been their second language, but they used to test them for this shit. It was only in the 1960s that the, the thing changed into, oh, it's a melting pot, right? It's a multicultural melting pot, and people from third world countries are... You know, they've all been here all there was there was tiny little tiny 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 little minorities of people before the nineteen sixties from third world countries and from China and from the Middle East and all of that kind of thing that were in the United States of America. It was predominantly uh white European ancestry. Whether you like it or not, that's just fucking history, man. And in the 1960s, the Democrats changed it and they said, We're gonna start bringing in people from all of the other countries instead. And we're gonna put Europe on the back burner. And in the space of, you know, what, from the 1960s to now, about 50 years or so, the demographic makeup of the United States has shifted from like 91% uh, white European ancestry to now 60% white European ancestry. That, that That's not a fucking accident. That didn't just happen. That was a political policy that was put in place in the 1960s. And now we have to sit through we have to sit through these laborious lectures from intellectual midgets like James Comey who says it was always like this it was always the way it was always the case that 30% of the country didn't speak English it was always the case that 40% of the country came from the rest of the world no it wasn't you retard it was never that way the 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 people uh, who founded the United States and the early days of the United States administrations were we want white European Christians. They were very clear on this. <coughs> now that doesn't mean I'm not arguing whether it's right or wrong. It doesn't mean that it has to stay that way. But all I'm saying was that's the way it was. And this is a rewriting of history that takes place now. Oh, it was never the case that it was just white European Christians. It's always been the case that we've had 30% Spanish speakers in the country. You dolt. <laughs> Get the fuck out of here, James. You think we're going to let you in? You think we're going to let you down here in the Southern Hemisphere with this kind of aversion to historical fact? Get the fuck out. You'll bull this mother. You'll bull this motherfucker. You're this fat fuck. This flat fork, huh? That's the glue in the United States of America that holds Republicans, Democrats, and independents together. And so I think that the American... Uh, well, the glue is a lie then. If that's the glue, it's a lie. It's a straight-out lie. <laughs> and again, sorry to take it back to, like, Charlie Kirk and Nick Fuentes. These are the kinds of questions that Charlie Kirk is being faced with now from the Nick Fuentes fans. They're asking him things about demographics. They're asking things about historical demographic trends, which sees, um, you know, certain people from certain parts of the world vote Democrat 80% of the time. And instead of answering the question intellectually, or at least trying to, Charlie Kirk just stands there and calls them a racist. It's like, that doesn't work anymore, Charlie. I've, I've, I thought the last four years on university campuses would have taught you that just standing there and screaming racist in somebody's face isn't going to get the job done, isn't going to bring home the bickies. You're not going to win the frozen chook. By standing there going, you're just, a, you're just a racist. You just hate people. It doesn't work. You taught us that, Charlie. You taught us that standing there screaming racist in somebody's face doesn't work. And now you're doing it. <laughs> Why do you think this is going to end well for you? American people are alert 
to the threat that is above our policy disagreements, which are important. Guns are incredibly important issues. Immigration, abortion, taxes, really important. But above that is something that we have in common that's non-negotiable. I like now how he's relegating. Look what he's doing here. He's relegating the Second Amendment discussion to like just a, it's just like talking about taxes. It's like, no, James, this is why people are angry at you, you see. I'd say like guns, taxes, whatever, they're all important issues. But above that, there's a set of ideals. And I thought I'm sitting here again like a foreign moron going, wait, isn't the Second Amendment one of those ideals? Isn't the Second Amendment one of those things that everybody's supposed to agree on? Again, like I'm, I'm no scholar, but as far as I could understand, being a liberal in the United States only, you know, 100 years ago, maybe not even that far, being a liberal in the United States meant free speech, private property rights, free market and guns. Now, I don't know why or how certain people have managed to rape that term to, you know, within an inch of its life and now have created something completely else, which is completely anti-liberal in the American context as we understood it for two and a half centuries. But that was always what liberal meant. Have you have you ever read Thomas Jefferson, James, Jim, Jimmy Boy? Have you ever read Thomas Jefferson? Big free speech guy, big pro-gun guy, big private property guy. <laughs> oh, well, guns, we can just talk about, you know, it's like taxes, whatever. But above that, we need to agree on certain ideals. And what, what are the ideals going to be? It's going to be shit that the Democrats invented in the 70s and the 80s. The, the new American ideals are not going to be private property rights. They're not going to be free speech. It's not going to be uh, the Second Amendment. The new uh, American ideals, as put forward by uh, intellectual pissants like James Comey, is going to be, well, the great American ideal is just we love everybody and we have tolerance and diversity. <laughs> it's like, no, no, that was never a thing. That was never one of the uh, ideals at all. I know you're rewriting history here, but I need to inform you that that wasn't the thing. Uh, that wasn't an ideal. That's just a word, uh, you know. Our leaders must reflect the glue that holds us together. They can't be people who lie all the time. They just can't. Oh, fucking welcome to politics. Our leaders must reflect. <laughs> Look at the co-host. She's from uh, MSNBC. I forget her name. She's like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Sick burn, James. Our leaders must reflect the glue that holds us together. Well, I guess then, James, unfortunately, you're going to have to get used to the idea that the glue that is holding the American people together is uh, what? Orange man racist hates Mexican rapists or something? That's your new glue, bro. Sorry. Sorry. I thought he was moving to New Zealand. And I hope people see that's true, whether they're Republicans or Democrats. And so I'm... What if he wins again? Will you still believe that? I will be... From my new home in New Zealand, I will... <laughs> uh, but I... <laughs> I really will. From The Guardian, a known right-wing conspiracy website. The stars who didn't move to Canada when Trump won. Snoop Dogg and Lena Dunham were among a host of celebrities who pledged to move north under a Donald Trump presidency, yet stayed put. So he wants to become the next he wants to become the next part of this long succession of people in the public eye who claim they're going to move if Donald Trump wins the election and then don't. <laughs> 
It's a long-standing tradition of American politics. At some stage in the electoral cycle, prominent citizens from the world of art and entertainment declare that if their preferred candidate is not victorious, they will move to Canada. Who have we got here? Snoop, Lena Dunham, Chelsea Handler, uh, some rapper guy, Neve Campbell, Brian Cranston, Barbara Streisand. There you go. They've all threatened it, James. You're not breaking any new ground here, homeboy. Everybody's threatened to move at some point. Um, I want to show you this article. Should I show you this article or should we do more videos? Uh, this was sent through by Pinochet the other day on the Discord. Oh, by the way, the, the phone, I will jump in now. If you want to get on the Discord, now would be the time. Just jump. If you want to get on the show, jump in the Discord, jump in the waiting room. And as soon as you jump in there, I'll uh, I'll go to you and say hello if you want to get on the show. Talk about whatever you want. I don't care. Uh, this was sent through by Pinochet the other day. Where are we? Uh, there's a rapper apparently named YG. I've never heard of him. He sounds like a chemical pom- uh, compound. But see, I don't listen to any more rap anymore. I used to listen to a little bit of rap, but it was I listened to <laughs> Cypress Hill. T- typical white boy <laughs> Cypress Hill and the Beastie Boys <laughs> um, you know the more the more hardcore hip hop stuff I, I guess I like Method Man he was fucking good back in the day but uh, wasn't a huge fan of Snoop aside from that first album uh, I have no idea who YG is Nas was pretty good when he was going around I don't even know if he's alive or anymore you don't know how to work Discord or add friends or find people. Are you in the Discord? You just join the Discord and then there's all different threads there. And you click on a thread and then there's people talking. And if you want to talk, you jump in the voice channel. Jump in the waiting room and then I'll put you on the show. You'll figure it out. Uh, so he apparently, you know, found this Trump fan at one of his shows. And he thought he would own he would own the Magatard by dragging him up on stage like a teacher would drag you up on stage if you were caught passing a note around in the class to try and embarrass you you know what I mean well maybe you should come up in front of the class and tell everybody why you like Donald Trump Jimmy, Jimmy, are you passing a note around? Give me that can you definitely come up here on the stage and tell everybody what is in that note tell everybody what you were talking about at the back of the room there Oh, I do want to come on now, up on stage in front of everybody. Hold on, man. I don't know if I want to shake your hand yet, man. Hold on. Hey, listen. I spotted you out in the crowd. I asked you if you fuck with Donald Trump, you said you don't know. So since you don't know, I need you to make up your mind tonight. I need you to uh, say your name. I want you to state your name because I know your mama, your daddy, your grandmama, your grandfather is watching. I want you to state your name and yell out, fuck Donald Trump. No, you won't. Get his ass out of here. Get him out of the stand. Fuck up out of here. He a Donald Trump supporter. Get his ass out of here. Yeah, I don't know. People were saying, people were saying that um, he kicked a guy out of the show. I don't know if they really did or not. That kind of looks like a bit of theatre to me. I, I thought I almost picked up a smile from the rapper as well when he was like, get him out of here. They could have just been a bit of fun. 
Hey, oh, you're not going to say Donald Trump, Donald Trump's uh, shit? Then get the fuck out of here. Kick him out. Get him, get him out of the show. I'm like, <laughs> you know. And then he maybe he was allowed back in the thing, but I don't know. No, you won't. Get his ass out of here. Get him out of the stand. I don't know. Maybe maybe it is the way it looks and maybe it's not, but I don't know if I can go into that too far. Um, what have we got here? Oh, this is fun. <laughs> the great the brave state of California, ladies and gentlemen. Who saw this? KA see KA. It's getting late. We're in vacay mode. CA Education Board approves pornographic sex ed. <laughs> just when, just when you thought, Deva, when you thought California couldn't be any more California, they're like, "Where can be more California?" Fucking trust me on this. We can still be California. People saying ugly, even if it's theater. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. I don't know. Too late. I'm already triggered. <laughs> yeah, I like the fact that even though he was up on stage, he's, he's like, "No, I'm not saying that." Fuck you. Fuck you. Most people, most people, if they were at you know a performer's show that they liked, would just go along with it anyway. He's like, no, nah, fuck, I'm not saying that. So good on him for that, absolutely. Despite hundreds of people protesting and testifying on Wednesday, the California State Board of Education approved highly controversial changes to the state's health and sex education framework, including teaching children about bondage. <laughs> I just have to laugh at this point. I can understand if you get upset by this, but <clears throat> trust me, once you've been uh, following this kind of madness long enough, you you eventually develop like a nihilistic callous to it all. And you realize that regardless of how angry you get, it's not going to change anything. These people are committed to their own insanity. So you, you're not going to, you can't reason somebody out of a position they haven't reasoned themselves into. <sighs> A new sex education framework including teaching about children about bondage, anal sex, pederasty, sex trafficking, sexual orientation, and transgender and non-conforming students. How are they helping the kids? This is a quote. How are they helping the kids find themselves when they are confusing them about who they are or who they could possibly be? Nothing at all. What is being taught at sex ed to California ch- school children ironically cannot be spoken on television or radio. <laughs> <laughs> So they're not allowed to talk, they're not allowed to talk about bondage and whipping and shit on the radio or on TV but we're allowed to teach 8-year-olds. <laughs> the curriculum changes stem from the 2015 Healthy Youth Act. They always name them these ro- airy fairy rosy things like you have to be on board with it because if you name something like we're going to teach children about bondage and pornography if you name it the Healthy Youth Act then it just creates this scenario where it's very easy to attack the people who are against what's in the Healthy Youth Act because all they have to do is turn around and say, what, so you're not in favour of healthy youth? You're not in favour of healthy youth? What kind of idiot are you? And then that's, that's it. They just refer to the name of the thing. The Healthy Youth Act, uh, Assemblywoman Shirley Weber which was sold as, quote, updating the HIV and AIDS prevention education to reflect today's understanding of HIV and AIDS. How does bondage get into that? Not sure. The bill also made comprehensive sexual health education mandatory. Mandatory. 
Current laws do not mandate sexual health education, but places requirements on instruction that is voluntary provided to students. While this instruction is voluntary, research has shown that nearly all school districts offer a program of sexual health education. In contrast, HIV AIDS prevention education has been mandated since 92. The bill was passed along party lines and signed into uh, law by Governor Jerry Brown. However, the voluntary instruction is not how this is playing out, according to parents. Parents did not sign up for this type of sexual indoctrination. The state of California should not force mums and dads to choose between participating in public school and protecting their children's innocence. No student needs to be exposed to this graphic and explicit material. It's child abuse. Um, where I stand on this stuff is I don't even know why schools need to practice. I don't even know why schools need to do sexual education in the first place because correct me if I'm wrong, but, uh, humans have existed for millions, well, not millions of years, but hundreds of thousands of years without, um, a sixties retread hippie, um, you know, hair-brained, generally subpar intellectual school teacher telling children how to fuck. Like, humans have figured out how to fuck on their own for hundreds of thousands of years. Otherwise, we wouldn't be here, right? So I find um, sex education, generally speaking, highly unnecessary. We can, we'll, we'll figure it out on our own. If you put a, you know, a, a male and a female of reproductive age in the same room at the same time, eventually they'll get the point. Eventually they'll figure it out what to do. It's, it is kind of natural. You know, animals don't have to be taught how to fuck, except the pandas. Except the pandas, they do, because there's something going on with the pandas. But every other animal just kind of figures it out, and they say that we're not special, that we're just another kind of animal, but apparently we need school teachers to tell our children how to have sex, which has always been like, oh, I don't get that. The other thing, too, is if you took these conversations out of the classroom, we are now legislating uh, grooming, essentially. And you could say, that's outrageous. If you took these conversations out of the classroom and a stranger just walked up to your child in the playground and started talking to them about bondage and blowjobs and anal sex and how to put a condom on, that person would be locked up. But for some reason in the classroom setting, that's okay. That's fine. It's educational. Why? Why? So I don't get all that. But, I mean, California just speeding towards the cliff, steaming towards the cliff at 100 miles an hour. Good luck to them. Good luck to them. Um, okay, one more thing here. And then we'll get to your stuff. Thank you so much for joining us. You're on the Daily Boogie. Nobody's calling in yet. That's fine. That's fine. I'll just be here alone. Whatever. I don't care. Okay. I don't want to be here alone. I don't care. This was fantastic. Joe Hildebrand is a uh, writer and a personality. He's on TV down here in Australia. And Joe Hildebrand is like a center-left guy. Now, before you throw him to the wolves, Joe Hildebrand is the kind of lefty who appreciates free speech. Joe Hildebrand doesn't like it when people uh, lie about statistics. So I've got a lot of respect for Joe Hildebrand because oftentimes I find um, the left 
side of the ledger when it comes to, you know, communications and content creation and hosting and writing and stuff, I find they save the most ire for one of their own who steps out of line as opposed to people on the other side. Believe it or not, you might think that they go after you a lot and call you a Nazi and they hate you and blah, blah, blah. But that's nothing compared to what they do to their own lefties when their own lefties wander off the plantation the way they treat them. So Joe Hildebrand put out this um, this article the other day. Deadliest of lies we keep swallowing. It's about uh, domestic violence uh, statistics. Because you see here in Australia, um, you'll often it's probably the it's probably a similar situation in the United States. You'll hear things like uh, two out of five women have had domestic violence. Like forty percent of all men are domestic violence abusers. Blah 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 blah. Right. Um, you'll get told that because of these statistics, we now need to introduce programs into school for people as young as, you know, five and six years old to, pardon me, to train uh, toxic masculinity out of the boys. We need to make the boys more feminine and more open and less uh, violent and less toxic and all this kind of stuff. So we need to manipulate the small children because it has to start early. Otherwise, the boys will develop, you know, dangerous heteronormative tendencies and all of that regular sort of pseudo-intellectual garbage. And a lot of that is based on the statistics that these people and these organizations pump out. So Joe's uh, found himself in a bit of shit lately because he looked at the statistics and a new report that came out and said, that's all bullshit. You're lying. And I can prove it. So I'll just read you a little bit of this report from Joe Hildebrand. And this article will be in the show notes for those who uh, want the links and stuff. I know a lot of people ask for the links. There are two phases in the 21st century cycle of outrage. The first is the hysteria, which engorges itself like like an ever-expanding balloon filled with helium and horse shit until it explodes and showers everyone with crap. (laughs) He's good, isn't he? The second is truth, which inevitably sinks like a stone. There have been two salient examples of this in the past two weeks, but for the first time, it offers a quiet hope. Long-suffering readers will recall a recent piece I wrote questioning precisely what political or policy breakthroughs Greta Thunberg and the climate strikers would uh, thought they would achieve with their street marches and angry chants. For those keeping count, the result so far is zero. (laughs) Instead, the protests morphed into the ever more extreme actions of Extinction Rebellion activists who have perhaps done more than any human beings on the planet to turn ordinary people against the global effort to tackle climate change. Incredibly, these numb nuts even physically prevented people from taking trains, despite this being the very form of transport they are constantly urging people to use. (laughs) Well done. Remember, this guy's a lefty. He's one of yours. Little wonder that would-be passengers on the London Tube who were saving the planet one ride at a time ended up taking these douchebags down. Little wonder an old white activist who claimed to be a progressive ended up being exposed by a young black commuter for shutting down the very rail system she had used to get to her point of protest. And little wonder that a political strategist friend of mine who had proudly taken part in the climate strike march, which was a peaceful, non-disruptive affair, later publicly denounced the Extinction Rebellion movement for doing enormous harm to the climate change cause. As usual, the more extreme the outrage, the more wrong it turns out to be. 
The other watershed moment that sank to the bottom of the sea was a landmark study by the Australian Institute of Criminology that examined 39 quantitative studies of domestic violence over the past decade or so, entitled simply Domestic Violence Offenders Prior Offending and Reoffending in Australia. Astonishingly, given the amount of publicity and so-called research this life or death issue has received in recent years, the study noted in its opening statement, quote, to our knowledge, there has been no attempt to develop a comprehensive understanding of what characterizes domestic violence offenders and offending across Australia. In an effort to tackle this problem, it combs through almost 3,000 records and more than 300 papers from almost every conceivable agency and source painstaking eliminating those that were not scientifically sound, such as sources more than 30 years old, those not from Australia, and those based on non-hard data, such as focus groups and interviews. The evidence from this was comprehensive. Fact-based and tragically unprecedented analysis was clear and overwhelming. There was a massive concentration of domestic violence in disadvantaged and indigenous communities and that alcohol was also a driving factor. You see, ladies and gentlemen, if you say something that is uh, painfully obvious and factual here in Australia, that being that there is a problem with domestic violence and alcohol in Indigenous communities and in remote Indigenous communities, you'll just get called a racist and a bigot and a Nazi, and people will say, yes, but white people drink too, and white people are just as likely to become domestic abusers as uh, drunken Indigenous people in far-flung communities are. It's a real hot-button issue here. So even people on the left who try to point this out, like, hey, there's really a problem going on here, they get called a Nazi too. And they're, because there's a whole industry now that surrounds the Indigenous communities, you see. People make their careers on the torment and turmoil and tragedy that exists in Indigenous communities. And they don't, they don't really want solutions. They just want more money. Perhaps most significantly, despite the prevailing narrative that domestic violence is simply a male versus female issue, it found that, in fact, it was a tiny minority of men who were responsible for a vastly disproportionate amount of the abuse. Quote, there is a growing recognition that domestic violence offending is concentrated among a relatively small group of offenders or couples. One 2016 study, it cited, quote, found a very small minority of repeat offenders, 2%, were responsible for half of all harm, 50%. So straight away, you can see what's been happening here, right? They'll take the 50% side of that equation. They'll take the 50% side of that statistic and say, well, there's X amount of domestic abuse in, in society, which means a certain percentage of men are all domestic abusers, when in reality, 50% of the domestic abuse is perpetrated by 2% of the population, which does it over and over and over and over again. It's not the way it's presented. I imagine there is, this is extremely similar to way, the way statistics are formulated and presented in the United States, in the United Kingdom, in Canada, everywhere where there is a supposed war on men, where they try to say toxic masculinity is causing domestic violence and all of this kind of stuff. I suspect it is exactly the same. 2% of the domestic violence offenders commit 50% of the domestic violence incidents. It's not one for one, like you've been taught, like you've been told. 
in order to get you on board with, say, uh, drastic overhauls to the education of five-year-old boys, trying to make them more feminine because toxic masculinity is killing women. The conclusion was unequivocal. First, a very large proportion of offenders involved in domestic violence incidents attended by police and then who move through the social uh, through the justice system are recidivist offenders. Moreover, these were concentrated in the poorest and most long-suffering communities as the AIC found and stated again and again. The likelihood of domestic violence offending appears to be higher in more socio-economically disadvantaged communities, the report said. And again, those in highly disadvantaged areas were also at greater risk of domestic violence reoffending compared with those in the least disadvantaged. Add once more, perpetrators of physical violence were found to have higher levels of unemployment and were more likely to be more from disadvantaged areas. It literally could not be clearer. And yet only four of the 39 studies the AIC analysed even looked at the socioeconomic status of the offenders compared to 21 that focused on gender. Gender is the problem. Gender is the issue. It's not the socioeconomic status of the offenders. It's not the fact that 50% of the crimes are committed by 2% of the people. It's not the fact that the uh, records are through the roof in the indigenous far-flung communities where alcohol and domestic abuse is a rampant problem. No, 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 no. The real problem is men. The real problem is males. The manipulation of these statistics for their own personal political gain is sickening, ladies and gentlemen. These people do not care about solutions. They don't want to make people's lives better. They're not interested in fixing problems. They're interested in creating problems. Apparently, most of this is the article again. Apparently, most of the academic research over the past decade is either oblivious or willfully blind to the most critical factor in this scourge. By contrast, I and a precious few others have been crazy brave enough to publicly draw attention to the fact that poorest communities are hardest hit by domestic violence. And it is a matter of public record that whenever I have said or written precisely what the evidence shows, I have been summarily crucified by self-proclaimed progressives, including suggestions that I am a closet abuser myself, that I should be bashed or defiled and veiled threats from activists saying they know where I lived or where I went to the supermarket. The fucking tolerance crew, kids, huh? The people who care about the, the downtrodden, the people who care about the truth. Meanwhile, these same so-called progressives are happy to consign poor and Indigenous women to their deaths in the darkly narcissistic campaign to argue that they are no more at risk than upper-middle-class professionals because it is simply men that are the problem, not broken communities. This is the deadliest of lies. As a result, you won't see or hear these progressive gender warriors championing the findings of this most comprehensive and belatedly groundbreaking study because they know they are condemned by the truth. If they had any decency, they would hang their heads in shame for abandoning the most vulnerable women in our society for the sake of a few retweets and an undergraduate ideological war. Fantastic. But the fact is they have no decency nor any shame. Just a quick reminder, this guy is a lefty. Still, I promised a happy story, and so it is, because the outrage subsides and the evidence rolls in. I will become ever more clear 
it will become ever more clear that the social media arbiters of social justice are mindless hypocrites far more obsessed with their own pontification than the real problems besetting society, not to mention wholly unaware of what of those problems even are. And the, as the outrage is constantly disapproved and defrocked, not only does the emperor have no clothes, but the emperor has been strip-searched sh- strip at Splendor and found to be carrying not so much as a disco biscuit up the Jexy. <laughs> The truth will out and the truth will prevail and the truth will put the horse shit in the pail. There you have a fantastic article from Joe Hildebrand and which brought me to this family violence prevention strategy. Here's a little video for you from the city of Casey in Victoria. This is the kind of shit that we're dealing with here. The city of Casey in Victoria. So the family violence prevention strategy. So you might be thinking, how does this all manifest itself in the real world? What does that actually mean? Well, I'm going to show you what it actually means. Because people are so averse to actual statistics and because people flat out deny the reality of the truth when it comes to these kinds of things, focusing instead on gender and stuff that has no causal relationship to domestic violence whatsoever. Domestic violence, which is caused at least half of the time by 2% of the population, because of this you know, aversion to facts and reality, uh, government employees, politicians who have their heads so far up they, uh, their ass, they can taste what they ate for breakfast and don't know any better when social justice groups come into their office and demand action plans and demand policy changes to address the rampant toxic masculinity in society, completely unaware that these social action groups are really just feminism, hardcore left-wing ideologues in disguise... Uh, the politicians will go out of their way to make these people proud. They'll go out of their way to uh, make these people happy because they're afraid of bullshit Twitter campaigns, right? This is the kind of shit that you get. One in four women are victims of family violence. Chances are it's someone you know. Your sister, your mother, your daughter, your cousin... Your colleague, the city of... Remember, this comes from a city government jurisdiction in Australia, in Victoria. One in four women are victims of family violence. Chances are it's someone you know. We also have to make note of the fact that they've changed the term from domestic violence to family violence. If you think that's an accident, I've got a bridge to sell you. The reason they are changing the term from domestic violence to family violence is because they're going to because they're hard left ideologues. They say they're going to say the family is the problem. Domestic violence doesn't convey the right emotional uh, the the right emotional hit that you need to have. The family is the issue, right? The family is violent. The family is evil. The family is wrong. So it's family violence, not domestic violence anymore. Sister, your mother, your daughter. Your mother. Your mother is a mother. Your cousin, your colleague. The city of Casey has a significant family violence problem. For the past five years, we have seen the highest number of reported family violence incidents across Victoria. And we found that key drivers of family violence are based around gender inequality. <laughs> gender inequality. <laughs> key drivers of family violence in Victoria, ladies and gentlemen. Like we just we just went through the report. We just went through the report, the scientific report. 
The key factors are socioeconomic status, uh, alcohol abuse, and oftentimes recidivist um, domestic abusers. People who are, you know, are domestic abusers over and over and over again, and the wife keeps going back. People in poorer communities with high alcoholism and stuff. That's that's the driving factors. No, no, no. No, 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 says the government of Casey. They say the real issues are gender inequality and people, I, I, I shit you not, people telling sexist jokes. Drivers of family violence are based around gender inequality. This includes making sexist jokes. Yeah, you have to laugh because it's so tragic. People telling sexist jokes gets wives bashed. You disgusting pseudoscientific frauds. You hacky, pathetic, intellectually dishonest, disgusting frauds. Well, we find the main factors of uh, domestic violence, sorry, family violence is gender inequality and people telling sexist jokes. No, it isn't. Fuck you. It's not. (laughs) You're wrong. We know you're wrong. In fact, it's worse than being wrong. We know you're lying. We know you're making it up. We've always known you've make it, you're making it up. And now you have people on your own side of politics shining a light on it saying, these people are making it up. And what do you do? You give the guy death threats. You accuse him of being a wife basher and you say you know where he lives and which supermarket he goes to, you sick individuals. ...across Victoria. And we found that key drivers of family violence are based around gender inequality. This includes... Making sexist jokes. Unbelievable. Speaking badly to women. <laughs> condoning violence towards women, even in subtle ways. Controlling a woman's... Microaggressions, right? Microaggressions. ...decision making and her finances. Limiting her independence. <laughs> Look at the fist. Look at the fist logo. Speaking, speaking badly to women causes domestic violence, according to these people. This is the feminist agenda. They, they, they believe, they're, they're just finding um, dishonest ways for gender supremacy. That's what's happening here. I, I don't know how else to put it. They are trying to use deceit in order to create a set of conditions where nobody is ever able to criticise what a woman says or does, ever. So regardless of how ridiculous a particular woman's idea is, regardless of how shitty a female politician is, you're not allowed to criticise her because that would be an indicator that you are prone to domestic violence, ladies and gentlemen. That's how sick these people are. And the governments, the governments aren't better. The governments lap this shit up because it's easy, because it's an easy fix. We can do an awareness campaign. It'll cost us fuck all. We can put out these little videos. We can start telling the little boys in school that they're toxic males and they need to be retrained and re-educated. And then everybody will pat us on the back because we stand against violence against women. The city of Casey wants that to change. As the level of government closest to the community, we have enormous reach, influence and access through the services we provide. Our council plan commits to working council together... Council plan. To oh, they've got a council plan, ladies and gentlemen. ...prevent family violence and creating inclusive environments 
where inclusive, our residents can thrive. Inclusive environments. It's management speak up the wazoo. I couldn't, I couldn't do this for a living. I couldn't write this tripe for a living. You, could, you couldn't pay me enough money to come up with this stuff. It is the lowest, um, it's the lowest frequency shit imaginable to write these kinds of government um, you know, sales pitches. Here at the city of Casey, we are committed to change. We are creating inclusive environments in all of the jurisdictions which we run. You know, it's it's just awful. It's saying a lot of things without saying anything. We've developed seven guiding principles. We've got an action. We've got a council action plan guided by seven guiding principles to lead the way. Things like making sure everyone feels safe in the city of Casey. Addressing family violence at multiple levels of decision-making. Drawing on evidence-based data and our planning tools to combat attitudes that lead to violence. Combat attitudes that lead to violence. Not, not deal with people who commit acts of violence. No, no, see how that doesn't get mentioned? And I love evidence-based approaches. Evidence-based. You know, that, re- that reminds me of when people say it's based on a true story when it comes to a movie. And then they pump in a whole lot of shit that isn't true to jazz it up a bit. Same thing, as far as I'm concerned. Evidence-based solutions is the same thing as a based-on-a-true-story, quote-unquote, true-story movie. (laughs) No, uh, you know, uh, William Wallace, although it is based on a true story, Braveheart, he didn't knock up a French princess, I'm here to tell you. He didn't have sex with a French princess. That was just thrown into the movie to make it a little more sexy. But it's based on a true story, but that part was not true. Our solutions are based on evidence. It doesn't mean that the solution is real. Demonstrating leadership when working with our partners to ensure we deliver on our promise. We've committed to heading in a new direction. That's why we've underpinned our action plan plan. with five strategic directions. So we've got seven principles. We've got an action plan. We've got five strategic directions. Community participation programs to strengthen positive, equal, and respectful relationships. Oh, God, it's garbage. I can't listen to any more of it. That's what you're putting up with, folks. Uh, We do have a caller. I believe he's on the line now. On now. Whoa. Whoa. Hang on. Hang on. Here I am. Thanks Are for joining us, Ben. Thanks for joining us, Ben. I'm, I'm getting a big, back over to your big echo. I was listening to Dead Air. I'll turn it down. Okay. Okay. Still got a big echo? No. No. No, yes, I do. Okay. No, I do. yes, I do. Damn it. <laughs> well. Well. Are you listening to the periscope in the background? Not anymore. Not anymore. How about how about Not anymore? Now? I'm still got the echo. I'm still got the echo. Well, damn it. <laughs> I, I just wanted to wish you a um, happy vacation. I hope your cooler never runs out of beer, and I hope your sprinkler never runs out of pressure. Thank you, sir. Thank you, sir. I appreciate that. I appreciate that. And, and I agree with you that the sex ed probably shouldn't be in our schools because I can't even trust. Uh, the other side to make policy, let alone educate. It's just kind of right. crazy. Right. Our um, 
my sex ed class was really fun actually it was my my football coach was the teacher so we had a lot of fun with it but now that i had now that i have daughters it's like some of the things he did are you know, were really uncomfortable really cringy ways of teaching things well i mean why teach it well, at all I mean, why teach it we'll at figure all, it out we'll figure it out yeah, it's unnecessary. I mean, they brought in somebody to speak to us, someone who had full-blown AIDS. And what I was thinking of is, like, why do you have to bring somebody who's dying of AIDS to teach us the dangers of AIDS? Can't you just tell us it's a disease just like hep C? Do you need to bring in somebody who has every disease that we learn about? Yeah, that's that's a good point. Imagine if, um, you know, if they wanted to teach us about maths they'd have to bring in somebody who's actually a math scholar. If they wanted to teach us about history, they'd have to bring in somebody who actually understands history. If they wanted to teach us about sport, they'd actually have to bring in a professional football player. Wouldn't that be nice for a change? But no, uh, if we want to learn about AIDS, I'm sorry, here's a person that's dying of the disease. Uh, pick their brain. Uh, pick their brain. Right, yeah. After, the, after they use the school bathroom and get all situated... We'll Absolutely. talk about how contagious it is and isn't. <laughs> the thing the thing that I've always found funny is they'll talk about sexually transmitted diseases, Ben. So they'll say, um, you know, you, it's funny because certain schools are banning children from holding hands and kissing on the school grounds. I don't know if you've heard about this. And I've just got you muted for a second so I don't get that feedback. But they'll... They ban children from holding hands. They ban children from kissing. They ban children from hugging. And then they go into sex ed class after lunch, after they've been told in the playground, you're not allowed to touch each other. You're not allowed to kiss. You're not allowed to hold hands. You're not allowed to fool around. Okay. I mean, they're 14, 15 year old kids. They're probably going to do it, right? Because that's what kids do. But you're not allowed to do it. You're not allowed to touch a boob. Okay. You're not allowed to kiss. You're not allowed to do anything like that. Then they go into sex ed class and now they're going to be saying, okay, so if you want to uh, have sex with your girlfriend in the ass, this is how you put a condom on an erect penis. And the kids are standing there going, but I, I, what the hell? What the hell? <laughs> well, yeah. And, you know, one of the things that the teacher did since he was a knuckle dragging alpha okay. football coach um he picked the most shy girls in the class and had them come up and read words that of course they're going to be uncomfortable reading and draw pictures of course they're going to be uncomfortable drawing and let the class laugh at them and have fun with it which i wouldn't want that to happen to my kids you know sure sure A terrible way to teach in my opinion but it was good for the boys in the classroom, obviously, because uh, the boys like the shy girls. And it's like, <laughs> look, she's drawing a dick. <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, he didn't choose like somebody like me to go up and draw pictures because I would I would have had a blast. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. But, Fantastic. Yeah. Looking back, I'm like, you know, and and the way things are progressing, they're adding a lot of, you know, isms into the way that they're teaching and it's just it's we don't need that it, kids are more um they're they're lacking in reading and comprehension and math and they're like over educated in things that are damaging to their lives sure sure so yeah do away with it yep get rid of it i agree 
And maybe if they don't figure it out, it might be better because their biggest complaint is that there's too many people. So if people don't figure out how to have sex on their own, they'd be killing two birds with one stone, wouldn't they? <laughs> That's a very good way of looking at it, yes. <laughs> well, All right. anything else you'd like to say, Ben? Like to say, Ben? No, just have a blast. I mean, I, I hope you have a good day tomorrow with your dog. And uh, sounds like I always forget you're on the opposite season. We've been, I've been scraping ice off of my windshield every morning. So oh. I'm glad somebody's got oh. the sunshine on them. Yeah, we're coming into summer here, so I'm looking forward to it, man. Well, thank you so much for calling in, man. I really appreciate it. Appreciate it. Oh, right on. Good show. I'll check you later. Thanks, mate. There he goes. Ben gave out a task, ladies and gentlemen. Long-time listener to the program. Uh, Ben's been with us since the since the, since the the beginning, since we started doing this, probably about two and a half years ago, before it was a podcast, before it was, you know, a professional thing. I think there was me, Ben, General Eaton, uh, Kimmy Y Censored, and maybe two or three other people in the room for about the first six months or so. So Ben's been here uh, probably the longest, I think, just about of anyone, for, followed very closely by... Kimmy Jong-un and the General Eaton. So thank you so much for joining us. Uh, if anyone else wants to get on, on the show, you can do so. Uh, I do do ask, please try to put a headset in. Please try to put headphones in so we don't have the same repeating thing. But we'll manage. We'll manage. Uh, speaking of education, ladies and gentlemen, just before we get to your tweets and the stuff you sent through on this marathon edition of the pre-vacation show, Girl 10, who refused to answer rude test question, praised for brilliant reply. Now, I want you to take note here of the way that this is presented. The brilliance of this reply, ladies and gentlemen. It was a brilliant reply by this brave young girl who refused to answer a rude test question. Okay. Rhythm wrote a heartwarming letter to her teacher explaining why she didn't solve the problem. So the child's name is Rhythm. Okay, so you can already begin to form some ideas about the kind of parenting that this child has. <laughs> it's like we're calling Moonshine was Moonbeam was already taken, so we went with Rhythm for our for our little bundle of joy. A 10-year-old girl has been hailed as courageous for making a stand against an offensive question on her school maths test. I'm intrigued at this point. After Rhythm Pacheco finished her homework, mum Naomi looked over her looked over her young daughter's work and discovered the powerful message, the powerful message she had left for her teacher. She decided to share the work online, leading to a huge response praising the student for standing up for her beliefs. Ten-year-olds shouldn't have beliefs. Sorry. Is that wrong? Is that the wrong thing to say? No, no, no. You're 10. You're 10. You don't know the difference between shit and shoe polish. You don't have beliefs. You believe what I tell you to believe at this point. When you get a little older, when you develop underarm hair, that's when you can start talking about your beliefs. But up until then, your brain belongs to me. (laughs) Sorry. Sorry. Should we let the 10-year-olds vote? Don't think so. Working through the maths homework, Rhythm came across a question asking her to compare the weights of three women and determine how much heavier Isabel was than Sue. This is the offensive question. I was thinking that, you know, it would be something like, say, uh, 
If Muhammad Atta was flying a plane at 200 miles an hour into the World Trade Center, how many people burned alive on the 80th floor of said building? That, that might be an offensive question. If, if Joseph Goebbels convinced 15% of the German population that Jews need to be exterminated, how many uh, Jewish people were killed in Auschwitz? That might be an offensive question. But this effect, now the new level of offensive question is, the table to the right shows the weight of three grade four students. How much heavier is Isabel than the lightest students? But this is the best part. This, this courageous response, ladies and gentlemen, this brave, courageous girl standing up for her beliefs. Look, she circled it and put what? This is offensive. Sorry, I won't write this. It's rude. But she spelt rude wrong. <laughs> She spelt rude, R-O-O-D, <laughs> which is adorable, which for a 10-year-old kid, let's be honest here, that is fucking adorable. But, 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 I'm not making fun of her misspelling the word, but I am going to make fun of the situation that sees a parent proudly sharing this on social media to say, look how inspirational my child is. She's refusing to answer questions in the school test. And then proving to everybody that the child should probably pay more attention in school before they decide to refuse to answer questions on the school exam. (laughs) My kid is so smart and has such amazing beliefs, they don't even need to take the test. It's rude. (laughs) (coughs) R-O-O-D. No. This is evidence that your child needs to pay more attention in school, not less. Not less. <laughs> Sorry. If See, if, if that was me, if I'm the parent here and the kid brings this home and goes, Daddy, look what I did. I had a go at them for an offensive question. I would say uh, this is the last time that you're ever doing this. If you're going to make a stand about something, at least learn your ABCs first. At least learn how to spell the words that you're writing in protest because you're not doing us any favors here, okay? Now back to your room. I want you to. I want you to write out. Uh, I will not be rude. Spelt correctly fifty times in your homework book. I hate you, Dad. Shut up. <laughs> that would be the general conversation, of course. My kids would love me. They would love me. All right, let's get to your stuff. Thank you for participating. It feels like the old days, doesn't it? Uh, a quick reminder, if you want to get it on the show, now is the time. Okay, let's go through. I'll just refresh. Sometimes people send stuff in late. It's been a while since we've done this. <laughs> Pinochet in the chat. She did real good. <laughs> G-U-D-E. <laughs> I'm so proud of my baby girl. She stood up to that offensive bitch teacher. That bitch teacher is really rude. Rude. It's like, uh, you just rub your temples. Uh, your kid's an idiot and so are you. Sorry. <laughs> I could spell rude when I was 10. I could spell rude when I was 10. And more to the point, I didn't worry about offensive exam questions and fat shaming. That's the problem, I think. We're filling the kids' heads with a whole bunch of stuff which is not educational at all, which is just designed to create future activists. And we're ignoring the basic education stuff. 
You know some lib teachers are going to shape their lessons based on that story. Absolutely. Absolutely. And most teachers are lib and female. What is it, like 85% female teachers? Yeah, we're doing really well. Uh, this is from Kimmy Jong-un. Good job getting in front of this baseball and protecting my beer, my guy. This How is about the guy Nationals that game. home run hit out in left center field? Did he barehand it? No, I think he had a beer in each hand and he just let it hit him right in the chest. Of oh, the yeah. Woo, nice job. Nice job. But I thought the I thought the winning move is to catch the ball in your beer cup and then take a swig of it. That's what I would have done. Like try and get the ball in the cup and then slam the beer down, what's left of the beer. That's the way you that's that's how you get the gold standard stuff. But well done. The Washington Nats fans, they aren't all idiots. There you go. Didn't drop a drop. Uh, Holy Communion signifies we are one with God, each other, and the earth, uh, church. Any public figure who advocates for abortion places himself or herself outside the church teaching. Yes, I read about this. So Joe Biden was refused communion, ladies and gentlemen, because he has a pro-abortion stand, uh, which I found funny because hasn't the Pope recently come out and said, well, we need to rethink this whole abortion thing. <laughs> But good on this pastor for standing standing up for what he believes in and saying, no, I'm not going to give communion to that guy. Fuck him. I don't care if he is Joe Biden. He probably had to eat a lot of shit for that as well. He was really rude. So, well, I, I, like, I don't have a problem with that. People standing up for what they think, fine, go for it. Stories worth watching. Classic kids song remixes, remix leaves the internet in a rage. I don't, I haven't seen anything about this. There's a new take on the Alphabet song that's not exactly a big hit with folks on. Like, what's the Alphabet song? The Alphabet song. Is that, um, w wait, which one is the Alphabet song? Is it A, B, C, D, E, F, G, H, I, J, K, M, 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 P? <laughs> is that the one? <laughs> Let's have a look. Anytime okay, this has people upset. She's so cute. There's a new take. Upset. <laughs> so Do you know what has me more upset than the, the story already? I'm sorry. This is going to sound uh, sexist and stuff, but feminists like to complain that female representation on TV isn't what it should be. Garbage. Most, what I find is most news programs and most um, reporting and most most of the stuff in the corporate news world is done by women. Most of it. Like the guys might still host the um the opinion shows, but that's like one hour out of a out of a day. And all the rest, the reporters on the scene, uh, the panel shows, it's dominated by females. And then and then it's like, okay, this is going to make people upset. <laughs> like, why do they always talk to us like we're in a like we're in a you know a locker room before cheerleading practice? Okay, guys, this is a story. I'm already annoyed. <laughs> we haven't even got to the story yet. This has people upset. So Why is she clapping? There's a new take. Isn't she cute? So, so there's cute. a new take on the alphabet song, Robin, and it is driving some people crazy. All is well until you get to the LMNOP part. She, can, she barely got that out. MMMOP. B, C, D, E, F, G, 
H I J K L M N What? O P Q No, 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 no. I I share the outrage. The whole point of the LMNOP part is to teach children how to articulate. It's teaching children how to separate the sounds, right? That's the whole point of jamming those ones together. Because we are teaching children how to speak. Not necess- We're not just teaching them the ABCs. We're teaching them how to pronounce it and how to articulate and how to enunciate and how to differentiate from different sounds, one sound to the next. And when there are sounds all jammed close together, we're teaching the children how to speak properly. This sounds like, this looks to me like eubonics has taken over and we need to change the rules or something. So when kids go M-M-M-O-P and we go no, you go L-M-N-O-P because it's hard to say. It's like, you know, like a tongue twister. The point of tongue twisters is to teach children how to pronounce properly each word, right? So, yeah, this is garbage. C, D, E, F, G, H, I, J, K, L, M, N. It doesn't even rhyme. It doesn't even rhyme. It's got a rhyme. O P Q R S T U. Wait a minute. That's not how it goes, right? Apparently. She's clapping again. That's not how it goes. Stop with the clapping. They made that change on purpose so they could clarify the letters for children. Well, the internet is not having it. One person said, that legit made my ears bleed. <laughs> Fantastic. Uh, now we have to look up the original ABC song. Not the Michael Jackson one, though. That's tainted. Okay. God, why are they all like 40 minutes? How long does it take to learn? There you go. Why is the guy singing it? Why is he trying to make it? I think this he thought he was it was his big break. Listen to how breathy and shit that he's singing. Okay, this next one, this next one I wrote in a in a studio apartment in New York in 1981. It was really rainy outside. My friend had just died of heroin. My friend of 25 years had just overdosed, and uh, I was I was feeling kind of down and kind of shitty, so. Uh, this song means a lot to me. Okay, it's called the ABCs. A, B, C, D, E, F, G, H, I, J, K, L, M, N, O, P, L, Q, R, L, T, U, V. W-X and Y. Why is my friend dead? Something Z. <laughs> it's like, fucking settle down, man. It's, it's supposed to be happy and fun. 
You're supposed to have fun with this shit. It's not supposed to be your, you know, it's not supposed to be part of your musical journey, sir. It's not all about you, sir. Listen to this fucking guy. He butchers it. A, B, C, D, E, F, G, H, I, J, K, L, M, N, O, P. Disgusting. <laughs> Absolutely disgusting. Another person wrote this. This song is trash. Stop remixing <laughs> classics. And this person put it plainly. That was disgusting. And I'm just going to say LMNOP. That's the word. It's just one word. LMNOP. So is the fear that kids <laughs> think that is one letter? LMNO? Did you yeah, learn your LMNO? That's if that's the fear, then we need new things to fear. Can we bring back um, being afraid of terrorism and black people then? Because if that's the fear, then they'll grow out of it. Trust me. Are they? Is that the fear that kids think it's one word? They're only going to think it's one word until you correct them, which is your job as an adult, right? You're supposed to correct them. And this one, this one letter is M M N O P. No, 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 that, no, no. That's five letters, sweetie. L-M-N-O-P. Ah, oh, thanks, Dad. I love you, son. I love you too, Dad. Problem fucking solved. Is that the fear? Is that the fear that children think it's all one letter? God, if, if, if that's what worries you, you must live a very privileged existence. L-M-N-O-P. L-M-N-O. L-M-N-O. L-M-N-O-P. Yeah. Okay, guys. Don't change the melody. I'm not here for it. It is kind of funny, though, like what kids hear. Like, um, I, I read one time that somebody thought that they, as a kid, I led the pigeons to the flag. <laughs> the pigeons. <laughs> Thanks for the news flash, bro. Yeah, we need more women in cable news, by the way. <laughs> challenge. Read every word tonight. Okay. I like a good challenge. A night at ButtCon, the convention for butt lovers. Don't be bummed if you missed it. Here are all the cheeky details. All right, I like it already. I am a sucker for cheesy puns. Hello, baby. Butts, they're everywhere. Look behind you. You might have one, too. I have a, I have it. Just, I'm just going to let you know, just for the audience who's still watching this show, I have a tremendous butt. <laughs> I've, I've been told. Why do we keep changing the only things that have worked well for hundreds of years? <laughs> Being a shame. Because, because we need change, bro. It's about progress, bro. What are you, some kind of dinosaur, man? Do you want to go back to the caves where children were learning about sex with finger paintings on the inside of the cave and learning how to speak by listening to adults speak properly? You want to go back to those dark, archaic days, you fucking Neanderthal? No, we need the teachers to come in, tell us how to get a penis erect, how to stick it in one's asshole, how to and how to fuck up the ABCs now. That's what we're doing. <laughs> it's progress, baby. Get on board, you bigot. Butts, they're everywhere. Look behind you. You might have one too. And just when you thought there was already a convention for everything, ButtCon has backed its way into the party. This this was a dream for this author. I'm going to give her a pat on, give her some love. Julie Pinheiro from the Huffington Post. She got this across her desk as a brief and she's like, oh yeah, I'm going to have some fun with this. ButtCon backed its way into the party. 
BartCon 2019, which was held Wednesday on the fourth floor of a nondescript Manhattan office building, was organised by bidet company Tushy to celebrate its favourite arse et. <laughs> the, the event celebrated by any and all butt stuff, from health to sex to hygiene, there was a Belfie, a butt selfie booth, and an anal like a porn star workshop, a twerking competition, and as the evening's grand finale, a cake-sitting performance. I'm here because my butt is my career, said the cake sitter and cam girl, Lindsay Dye, who popularized the sexual art form. Let's not go. Let's not get ahead of ourselves here. Sexual art form. Sitting on a cake. No, that's a nuisance. That's that's something that grandma does accidentally if you don't take the cake off her chair before she sits down. We don't want people sitting on cakes. It's not a sexual art form. It's a, it's a waste of flour. She baked a special butts, uh, butt-shaped cake for the event and lowered her butt onto it on stage while singing the Britney Spears ballad every time. Some attendees, like Maribel Montora, arrived with an open mind. I'm 54, so I would like to learn something new, she said. Others, like father-son duo... <laughs> <laughs> Son, would you like to accompany me to Buttfest? I would, Dad. I love it when we do things together. Do you want to go to the baseball? No. Can we watch a Can we watch a chick sit on a cake and learn how to do anal like a porn star? Yes, we can, son. People like Jeng, they they bought tickets specifically to see Dye's cake sitting performance. Well, it's nice when fathers and sons share. I think. People like Giancarlo Costello were there in full-on celebration. Today, my boyfriend's birthday, and he's super obsessed with butts. The night's entertainment ranged from artistic to functional. Kim Warsham, billed as a butt-washing specialist, based her presentation on her career in the sanitation industry. I know all about toilet culture. There's a culture now. Toilet culture. I wonder how the toilet culture enthusiasts feel about... uh, Toilet culture being also progressed into the modern world, that being um, anybody can use any toilet at any time. Are they in favour of that? I guess if you're in favour of toilets, you just want everybody to have toilet freedom in a toilet-free culture. Imagine that being the thing that you pin on your fucking resume. I know all about toilet culture. You're hired. I know all about the history of toilets and the history of butt-wiping. What a what a fuck! I I I'm not making fun of her. We need people who know these, who understand these niches. We need people. <laughs> like if I need a toilet expert, I know who to call now. Do people wipe from the back to the front or the front to the back? I know. I'll call up Kim Warsham. She understands this stuff. Kim, we have a question. You're the toilet culture expert. I wonder if she's written a book. I think everyone should own a bidet, Warsham added. I think that is the future of wiping everyone's ass. I, I am I am sincerely glad that people are focusing on toilet culture. Keeps them out of the other stuff. Butcon uh, also brought the anus to centre stage. Yes, the anus can be taboo and kinky, said sex expert Layla Martin. But she went on to say that the stigma around anal sex can inhibit sexual connection. Actually, the anus opens from deep trust. <laughs> I've never, I've never been a butt guy. I'm going to put that out there. Never been an anus chaser. 
the anus opens from deep trust. So that makes me feel like if I could, I could lay down next to a lady and just talk nice. If I could reassure her anus that it's not going to be that painful, then suddenly we're ready to go. <laughs> deep trust. <laughs> I don't know. Thank you for sending this. This is, this is a fantastic way to end the last show before holidays. <laughs> the anus actually opens from deep trust. And so anal sex can be such a deep portal to connection and intimacy and love between humans. It came down to When it came down to practical anal sex tips, adult uh, entertainer Asia Akira didn't hold back. My really graphic tip would be to push out while they go in. Nice. Nice. She's she's more the industrious type of anal professional. You have the spiritual side of anal sex, and then you have the logistical side of butt fucking, which is important. You need to know both ends of the spectrum here. For some, the evening represented more than just a chance to showcase their knowledge or craft. Before her cake sitting performance, Di took a moment to think about the event's crowd, those who gathered to celebrate the butt in its various forms. Quote, it makes these jobs that all these people have, porn, sex work, even working at a bidet company, she said. All this ass talk, it's all real and human and it feels really good. This legitimizes it for me. Yep. It's pretty much the story of if Arthur Blake of the chat, trust and lots of lube. <laughs> pretty much the story of modern society now, isn't it? Where as long as you can get a certain amount of people together in the same room to talking about the same thing then they all feel legitimized in their belief whereas before the internet they had to go on thinking that they were the only ones who were obsessed with any particular topic it reminds me of something um if you've heard of sebastian maniscalco i think i've played this before basically talking about the same thing so before the internet happened <clears throat> All of these people who had these fucked up weirdo beliefs were just handled in the community. And now they can all find each other and get together and go to these little butt conventions and shit. Let me show you this. This internet, there's something for everybody, right? You got some weird fetish, some weird thing you do? Some weird thing you do? Look at how weird it just got in here, huh? <laughs> you got some weird fetish, some weird thing you do, huh? Look how weird it just got in here, huh? Some of you are into this type of behavior. Behavior. But if you like something weird, you like to, you're, if you're an adult, you like to dress up as a baby, there's a website for you. <laughs> 30 years ago, if you like to dress up as a baby, nobody knew that. You did that in the privacy of your own home. If you ever came out of your house with a diaper on, your neighbor would go, look at this shit, call the FBI. Get this shit out of the neighborhood. Right? Call the FBI. It was handled. It was handled. <laughs> but today, just throw it up in the Google. I like to dress up as a baby. Next thing you know, they're at the Hilton on a Saturday with 863 people that like to do this shit. <laughs> well done. He's fucking great. Uh, let's get back to it. Let's get back to it, shall we? Butt fest, ladies and gentlemen. 
Oh, Stefan Sears has contributed to the show. Thanks for joining us again, Stefan. Stefan's been waiting a long time for this. <laughs> another another free-for-all. What have we got here? <laughs> Australian Masturbating Australians may have to use facial recognition to access online porn. And just like that, the online porn industry died. I feel like this is the end of the online porn industry. We need something appropriate. You know, when I was a younger man, I first met online porn at the age of 16. And it was one of those relationships that I'll never forget. Online porn was always welcoming to me and I was a strange boy. I didn't have many friends. I found it difficult to make social connections and online porn was always there. Always ready to lend a hand. I'll never forget my, the first time I met online porn. I wasn't sure if it was going to be the kind of relationship that I would keep for a long time. I thought, maybe I'm just going to meet this person, meet, meet online porn once and then never do it again. But little did I know that it would be a relationship that would last for years and years to come. And if it was 9 o'clock in the morning or 10 o'clock at night or 3 a.m., it didn't matter. Whenever I felt the need, whenever I had to reach out, my friend, online porn, was there. Online porn will be sorely missed by a lot of limp-wristed teenage boys. Sorely missed and sorely felt. We spent many times together, many times that we could have spent doing something else, something perhaps a little more productive. But today, ladies and gentlemen, we bid farewell to our friend, our, our friend of the last two and a half decades, online porn. <laughs> Masturbating Australians may have to use uh, facial recognition access to online porn. Home Affairs is developing a face verification service which matches a person's photo against images used on one of their evidence of identity documents to help verify their identity. This is the death of freedom. And it'll start with the porn freaks, like it'll start with the porn people. And everybody else will say, well, I think it's a good thing because fuck, fuck porn, right? Fuck that shit, it's degenerate. But then it's just going to move on to the next thing. You don't get it. You don't understand. This is just how they, they always start off with things like this. And then it'll go to the next phase and the next phase. And then you'll need to provide facial recognition to just buy, you know, a tank of fuel at the service station or pay for your groceries. It'll never end. These people are addicted to power. This could assist in age verification, for example, by preventing a minor from using their parents' driver's license to circumvent age verification controls. 
Home Affairs has acknowledged the face verification service was non-operational as it required the passage of biometric legislation through Parliament last week. The Parliamentary Joint Committee on Intelligence and Security said that new bills do not have sufficient privacy safeguards and need to be redrafted, according to ZDNet. Initially, the system was fairly limited. Here we go. Like I told you, it hasn't even it hasn't even become a thing yet, and they're already expanding the scope of the thing. This is what governments do. Initially, the system was fairly limited. It only included photos of people who had applied to become Australian citizens, and use of the database was supposed to be limited to a handful of government agencies with a compelling need for it. But since then, <laughs> the government has steadily expanded the system. Photos from other sources were added to the database. And in case you weren't wondering why um, the Facebook page is no longer going, why I'm no longer streaming to Facebook, it's very simple. Uh, I think I streamed three episodes to Facebook Live and then Facebook closed my account and said, we need a photo of you to verify your identification. And I just deleted it. Like, no, fuck you. He's like, like, if you don't, if we can't have a photo of you on our database records, then uh, we're not letting you stream to our service, basically. I'm like, all right, fuck off then. So, yeah. so that's why I'm not doing the Facebook anymore. Apologies. Apologies. I didn't know that was going to be a thing. Apparently it is. But since then, the government has steadily expanded the system. Photos from other sources were added to the database, and Australia has been trying to develop a more sophisticated face identification service that can identify unknown persons. <laughs> you want a revolution? Mess up people's porn access. <laughs> exactly. On Thursday, committee chair Andrew Hasty said the committee heard concerns over privacy and the need to ensure the appropriate oversight was in place to protect individuals' right. The committee acknowledges these concerns and believes that while the bill's explanatory memorandum sets out governance arrangements, such as existing and contemplated agreements and access policies, they are not adequately set out in the current bill. But like I said, this is going to be the kind of thing where it, it'll start off with online porn and then you'll need, um, you will need to use facial recognition software in order to just log on to the internet. And then that won't be enough. Then you'll need to, then there'll be little cameras at the supermarket that'll take your picture to make sure that you're actually the person that matches the, the name on the credit card. It, that's, it, it's always how these things start. They, they chip off little sections of society one at a time until next thing you know, they've got half of society covered in their new policy scheme. And then they say, well, half, half of people are already doing it. So we may as well do it for everybody then. This is the death of freedom. And we are writing the obituary here on the Daily Boogie. Uh, let's go back to it. Amber, who Amber, who is the most prolific member of the Discord. Thank you so much, Amber, for joining us. Thank you for sending these things through. You now have the option of gender-neutral emojis if your iPhone updated to the latest iOS. Finally! Why are we still playing the funeral music? <laughs> Finally! Gender-neutral emojis. This is just what we needed, ladies and gentlemen. Finally. I don't know how we got on so long in this bigoted, uh, you know, non-gender-neutral nightmare that has been emojis on an iPhone. I don't, I don't even know how we survived this long. Okay, yeah, kind of looks like a tomboy, though. Don't you think? Don't you think it looks like a farming tomboy? Yeah, I'd fuck her. <laughs> I'd fuck her. <laughs> it's 
Sorry. It's supposed to be gender neutral, so I guess it's 50-50, right? Maybe it's a boy, maybe it's a girl. I kind of got a thing for tomboys, so, you know, eh, I'll have a crack. I mean, I'll find out, right? There are 138 new gender and neutral forms, so you'll soon be able to text without people specifying their gender. Oh, this is what we've all been waiting for. How about how about a phone that doesn't fucking drop out where when it shouldn't? Can we can we have that update, please? Can I have the update that doesn't make the phone take 10 minutes to load when a new iPhone comes out? Maybe we've been waiting for that one. We can definitely put the gender neutral emojis to the side for a moment if we're being brutally honest here. <laughs> Gypsy in the chat. I bet she takes it in the ass. <laughs> She was at Butcon, that farm girl. She was there. She was there holding her rake, chewing her hay. She was there at Butcon. She looks kind of boyish. I mean, I'm gonna. I'm probably gonna have to look this up. Oh wait. You know, once upon a time when I met online porn, if I wanted to see a farm girl tomboy chewing hay holding a rake. It was very simple. I would just log on to my old friend online porn. <laughs> and just like that, I would be presented with thousands of options to live out my dream, to see a farm girl chewing hay with a straw hat on, take a big one in the ass. But now online porn is dead. Because the whole reason for taking somebody in the ass is that you don't want them to look you in the face. And those days are long behind us. <laughs> it's very sad. Pitchforking it. Was, what, what was that? What was that line? These new options help fill a significant gap in the emoji keyboard. Oh, okay. Well, well done, Gender Warriors. Are you pleased that um, somebody has decided to go for the gender neutral option just because they had a spare brick or two to fill? You were an afterthought. This isn't a revolution. This is a convenience. Because we hate the we hate the look of empty bricks, empty tiles on a keyboard. Uh, people were sending gifts. Where you at? Where you at? Rappers Bad Baby and Woe Vicky get into recording studio brawls by Stefan Sears. Danielle Brigoli, better known as her stage name Bad Baby, Bad Baby, got into a. Is this the new Cardi B? Got into a brawl. With fellow viral star Woe Vicky at a recording studio in Atlanta early Wednesday morning. Oh well, I want to see the sensitive material. Is there video of this? Yes, there. Yes, there's video. Let's have a look. Catfight. There's nothing like uh, two B standard rappers, especially females, attacking each other in a recording studio. Five million views. This shit has. This this episode will be lucky to get a thousand views. <laughs> this. Two female rappers uh, clawing at each other like, you know, rabid dogs. This will get five million hits. I'm telling you, this is what the internet is for now. 
This is what people want from the internet. The lowest brow shit imaginable. At some point, uh, we're going to have to upload our faces in order to view this. You realize that because somebody will classify this as porn. So just letting you know. Have a look. It's a slow moving fight. It's what you doing? It's what you doing? See the guys are just very casually standing around going, <laughs> look at this. <laughs> They're not in there trying to break them up. If this was two guys, the other guys would be jumping in and grabbing the fighters in a headlock and physically dragging them off. But when it's two girls fighting, guys tend to just stand around and go, hey, don't do that. Hey, hey, I mean, you know, you're booking, you're booking your time here. Because they know nobody's really going to get really physically hurt. <laughs> so they just stand around and enjoy it. Hey, maybe we'll see a tit. Maybe we'll see a tit pop out. Don't break them up, man. Just let them go. Just let them go. You got beat up. Let's get up. You're getting beat. You stupid. Shot by DC, shot by D Castro because he has to get his credit. <laughs> Yo, that's my footage, motherfucker. I'm the one who shot that shit. You better give me credit, bro. Look, he's <laughs> he's doing selfies on it. <laughs> Yo, check it out. There's like two crazy homegirls behind me trying to claw each other's eyes out. Check out this shit, man. This will be the most famous thing any of them have ever done, by the way. By far. This will be more famous than any song that they've ever written. They'll get more hits on this than any album they release, any single they release, any film clip they release. And when, you know, 10 years from now, when they're like, when Bad Baby and the other chick is saying, you know, yeah, I've released a single, come out and see my single, people will be going, who's that? Oh, is that, is that one of the, um, is that one of the chicks that got into the fight at the recording studio? Yeah, that's a, ah, yeah, I remember her. You won't be remembered for your rap. You won't be remembered for your fat beats. No, I'm saying. All right. I think we're close to the end here. How about William Cruz sent this through? How about the China involved staffers questioning witnesses on the so-called impeachment and the law that will entrap Trump, Trump for not breaking the constitutional laws on releasing grand jury testimony? That was in the Mueller report. That's a lot to unpack there. I, I don't know. I, it's better if you send me like a, a clip or an article or something that I can comment on because I'm, I'm not sure where to begin. But like I said yesterday, when it comes to the impeachment stuff, um, I'm, I'm done. Like, so if he gets impeached, I'll talk about it. You know what I mean? If people get arrested, I'll talk about it. I find a lot of this stuff on both sides. People are... I'm not accusing you of doing this, William Cruz, but I'm saying that a lot of people on both sides are really now in the process of, you know, ag aggressive cherry picking. They're just taking little bits of information. They're omitting things. They're they're twisting things. There's a there's a it's an orgy of confirmation bias right now, 
and it's just starting to annoy me. And so this break, this vacation couldn't come at a better time because I think I'm just about done when it comes to the confirmation bias. And people are now people are now creating their own confirmation biases. And it's bad enough when the media is doing it to us, but when we're doing it to ourselves, that's when I start to check out mentally and I'm like, oh, I can't do this. I can't do this anymore. You know what I mean? So, we'll, I mean, we'll see where that goes, but I suspect it's um, sound. I've got sound. There's sound going out. I can see the sound going out. We'll see where that goes, but I'm not sure. Not sure about all that. So, ladies and gentlemen, thank you very much. Uh, I'll tell you what, we'll end on one more thing here because I did have this article. No, that's not the one. Now I've got the online porn register in my fucking thing. Oh, well, see, the Daily Mail's shit because it updates automatically. So I had a story there where a woman broke her 10-year-old son's jaw because he wouldn't stop playing Fortnite. She punched him in the face. (laughs) And then that led me to this quick little news report here. New program to help families battle video game addiction. I guess at least porn addiction is a thing of the past, right? Now the kids will just get addicted to video games instead. Parents struggling to get their kids to stop playing video games know just how addictive a dick addictive they can be. A new program is helping break the habit for the more than 70,000 young Australians who have a gaming addiction. This report from Harvey Gaming Binks. addiction. Plugging in and tuning out. Gaming, it's a multi-billion dollar industry and can be fun and exciting, but for some children, it's an addiction. It's very easy to turn on, but for some kids, it can be really difficult to turn off. Yeah, shitty parenting. Sorry. 4% of teenagers who play video games are addicted. That's an estimated 78,000 children nationally. Among the game's most hooking kids, Fortnite, Minecraft, Clash of Clans, Counter-Strike, League of Legends and Pokemon Go. It's characterised by the child losing control over their gaming. Is is addiction, is video game addiction the only addiction that can result in uh, winning millions of dollars in tournaments? <laughs> You know what I mean? Like, if you're addicted to heroin, nobody, you're not going to be invited to a heroin World Cup to see how much heroin you can take and if you can take more heroin than all of the other junkies. If you're addicted to alcohol, well, I guess there are beer drinking, um, you know, World Cups and stuff, but they're not as they're not as uh, prolific as the video game World Cups. So you might be doing the wrong thing. If your 10-year-old kid is addicted to Fortnite and if you step in and stop them from having that addiction, you might be preve- you might be cutting off a future timeline where they might be making millions of dollars online playing Fortnite professionally. So something to consider. And like I said, at least this is the thing. Video game addiction, question mark, at least it's not smack. That's the if you want a positive outlook, that's the way you should approach these things. At least it's not heroin. Okay. Uh, The gaming takes priority over other activities. And it's having a real impact on families. We see relationship breakdowns between families, um, you know, even um, anger and um, violence towards parents. And creating problems in the classroom as well. We notice uh, sometimes students may come uh, to school very tired, pale, irritable, unable to... (laughs) Well, see, again, back in the good old days... um, we used to come to school tired and pale because we were up all night watching online porn. Now the kids are playing online Fortnite, which is more damaging. I think the Fortnite. 
But this reminded me of this clip, which went viral like four years ago. Japanese dad smashes son's brand new PS4. So this has been translated. I don't have the translation in front of me, but basically the dad who's wearing the little, you know, the little panda jumper there, it's late at night. And this son is super excited because he has just taken his own money and brought out, bought a brand new PlayStation 4, right? Four years ago when the things came out and he's super excited. So he's screaming like, oh, I can't believe it. I'm so excited. Ah!" And the dad comes in. It's obviously late at night. The dad comes in and is like, shut the fuck up. Stop being so loud. So if you if you're looking for a solution to video game addiction, you might want to take a leaf out of dad's book. The kids protecting the PlayStation. The kids holding the PlayStation away from him. Dad's like, shut the fuck up. Stop being so loud. Okay, let's skip ahead here. So they're plugging it in. He's just bought it. He's just taken it out of the box. And the dad's told them to be quiet, you know. Don't be so... They're reading the instructions like good Asian boys. Turn the TV on. Okay. The first time playing the brand new PlayStation. Here we, here we go. Very excited. Plug in the controller. It's in there. Uh-oh. Dad, Dad told you to be quiet, mate. Dad, even the brother's like, shh, 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 shh. Okay, they're sitting in front of the screen. <laughs> it's loading up. Okay. Getting ready to play their first game on their brand new PS4. Don't scream. Keep it quiet, kid. Keep your voice down. Keep your voice down. <laughs> It's like watching a horror movie. Here's dad. Dad's got a sledgehammer. He pushes the son to the floor. Dad, and the kid's screaming. Dad's smashing it with the sledgehammer. The brand new PS4. It's done. It's toast. He smashes the TV. Now, now listen to the reaction from the kid. This is what happens when video. This is what happens when video game addiction takes hold. Why? There you have it. The dangerous side of video game addiction, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> I fucking love it. That brings me joy seeing that kid scream like that. Uh, thank you so much for joining us on this, the final edition of the Daily Boogie uh, podcast before we go on vacay. 
I I am trying to do a little pre-record, um, like a short episode or two to upload on its own and live stream, but I don't know if it's going to work or not. So um, Monday and Tuesday, 6 p.m., there might be a live stream, which I can pre-record like a little half an hour one or something and try to upload it, but I've never used the service before and I don't know if it's going to work or not. So I don't want to build your hopes up, but there might be something. But thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for um, being with us every single night. Thank you for sharing the show out as you do. And thank you for your interactions. You make this worth doing. Uh, I'll be back in a week and a bit. If you'd like to become a supporter of the show, please head over to patreon.com forward slash boogie bumper. Become a subscriber by hitting the subscribe button on your preferred podcast player. And of course, if you'd like to wish me a happy vacay, then you can do so by following me on Twitter at boogie bumper. Don't forget to follow our friends at real person, PLTCS at ChrisMC44 at YCensored underscore. Uh, while I'm away, check out some shows that I like to watch. Nightwave Radio, Revenge of the Sis, very funny, and catch up with the Charlie Kirk stuff because it is fucking hilarious to see this guy get owned. Uh, until next time, ladies and gentlemen, in a week and a bit, stay calm, stay rational, God bless, and we'll see you soon. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.